1: G'day Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply in South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Interesting music choice to start us off. Don't mind it though. So much to talk about. Not even exactly sure where to start. Huge show coming up. Looking forward to chatting with you for the next three hours and As always, pretty much for the first hour of the show is yours. one 736 736 Coming up, we're going to speak to victorious magpie John Noble will join us. We'll have a chat to GWS CEO Dave Matthews. He's always refreshing for his opinions on the game and certainly a lot to talk about with Dave Matthews. John Longmire has had some strong things to say about the AFL's investment. Or that lack thereof. We'll see if uh, Dave has a similar view to uh, the Sydney coach. Ports Dan Houston, um, our segment over and under, and we're also going to speak to our man Trevor Lane on the trade deadline over there in the NBA. It is all happening. You can send us a text for temper o four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen for a mattress like no other. The footy last night, pretty good game of footy. One on one matchups. How about that? Is that a thing now? We actually had a one-on-one matchup. That was terrific to see. and, And no doubt Collingwood were magnificent and will alleviate some of the pressure that had already started to engulf that football club. But clearly the biggest story out of last night is Carlton. So I want to start the show with this. Well, last week I was, um, I was last half full on the Blues. This morning there's about one drop of water in that glass. New year, same Carlton. And they may have invested in their midfield and running defence during the trade period, but perhaps they should have turned their attention to their key defenders. Collingwood kicked seven goals in total in round one, which made them the lowest scoring team in the competition they took just five marks inside of 50 for the whole game. In the first quarter alone last night, the Magpies took seven marks inside 50 for five goals. One minute into the second quarter, they'd taken nine marks inside 50 and had eight goals on the board. By half time, they had 11 majors. Jamie Elliott was matched up on the highly frustrating, long-sleeved Lockie Plowman, and Plowman made Elliott look like Gary Ablett Sr. in the first term. Ploughman was moved off Elliott onto Dugowie after quarter time. It took degoy one minute to kick another goal on him, and if it wasn't Elliott or DeGoey outmarking Ploughman, it was Hoskin Elliott. He lacked speed off the mark, strengthened the contest, and at times looked lost with a footy in his hand, and it's perplexing how he retains his position in the Carlton side every week. Early in the game, reigning best and fairest winner Jacob Wiedering was outmarked by the much smaller Brody Meyercheck, And in a sign that perhaps he's pretty comfortable with where he's at, he missed a simple tackle on still side bottom who made him look foolish in the first term. Liam Jones was struggling for size against a much larger opponent in Mason Cox and he panicked a couple of times and gave the big American a couple of free kicks and his first shot at goal. Sam Piotrowski-Seaton just doesn't look like he wants to defend and continues to look uncomfortable. It's hard to think of a worse start from a defensive back six with so much riding on the result. Now, of course, Carlton's midfield numbers didn't help. The lack of pressure up the ground was stark, and most of Collingwood's 13 first quarter entries were under little or no pressure, hence the eight scoring shots from just the 13 inside 50s. Embarrassingly, the Blues lost, sorry, laid just eight tackles in the first quarter to Collingwood's 16, and they lost the contested possession count by nine. If it wasn't for Michael Gibbons' freakish efforts, The game was over at halftime. Now, the predictable Carlton fight back came in the third quarter, but clearly it wasn't enough. And by game's end, Carlton lost the tackle count by 24 and contested possessions by 19. They laid only 41 tackles for the entire game and 10 players had one tackle or less. All this for Carlton with the prospect of going 0-2 for the ninth straight year. And although the season is in its infancy and they have favourable matchups against Frio and Gold Coast in the next two weeks, the stats would suggest they are staring down the barrel of missing the eight again. Coach David Teague's attitude coming to the matchup was perplexing and somewhat explains why the Blues defenders and midfield were asleep at the opening bounce.
2: We, we want to go and win. Don't get us strong. But, um, look, you can play really well and get better and, and not win at this time of year. I, I think uh, a couple of years ago, Collingwood lost their first field and played in the grand final. So. Is
1: that what you want to hear? Teague isn't demanding enough of his players and is far too easily pleased. There are holes in the ship and it's sinking slowly. The defenders have been outclassed and they aren't strong enough in the contest and the midfield isn't hungry enough. Its best player, Patrick Cripps, isn't a goal kicker, And he's not damaging around the ground. He had just eight kicks once again last night. In the pre-season, CEO Kane Little was adamant this squad was ready to take the next step. And anyone who who wants to uh, try and tie me up and mix my words that we're not
2: aspiring to win premierships won't be successful. Because that's exactly what we're trying to do. But again,
3: expectation needs to meet experience. And we've gone 18th, 16th, 11th. We want to continue to build on that. And I certainly
1: agree that the period for development is well and truly over. Period for development is well and truly over. From what we've seen so far this season, they are miles away. The pressure is coming, and rightly so. Blues fans, I've got sympathy for you. I was on the Blues train this year. I was bound by blue. I've picked them the last two weeks, and they've served that up. one 736 736 or you can send us a temper text. 0-4-3-3-98-11-16. joining the conversation this morning. Oh, a lot of positivity last night. Great game of footy. Footy's back. I, I heard you know talk pre twenty ten levels. How good the footy is. Good one on one matchups. I agree with all that. And Collingwood, hats off to you. Magnificent, uh, Darcy Moore. What a performance. Um, Isaac Quaino, he's a good player developing. Dakos can be one of the best young players in the competition in about 12 months' time. You, you watch this kid play, sensational. Taylor Adams, heroic performance in the midfield. That was the good. I was shocked Carlton served that up in the first quarter. And their defensive group as a whole, whew, embarrassing. You know, you just have one of those games of footy where everything goes wrong. Yeah, that was uh, that was Lockie Plowman last night. Blues fans, have you say? John's in Adelaide. Uh, what do you want to say about the footy last night, Johnny? Welcome.
4: Yeah, great game. Collingwood shows so much intent. It was out, you know. It was really outstanding because they were really on pump. People want to go for Buckley. jeez, oh, what he coached last night. He really lifted that side. Teague. I don't know what Carlton won't put up with Teague. Yeah, you know, he's got too many holes in his sale, and the list they got, so well, they got some really good imports this year, and Cripps, he's after a contract. You can't, you can't pay him overs,
1: okay? Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to that shortly because I was pretty strong on Footy Classified on Monday night about what Patrick Cripps is worth, and I wrote about it in the West Australian. Yesterday, just sort of warning West Coast and Fremantle not to spend their money on Patrick Cripps for various reasons, as as much as we admire the way he plays his football. Uh, Please don't start comparing him to the most damaging midfielders in the competition, like Fife, Dangerfield, Martin, Petrarca, Bons and Pelly. He's not in that class, and um, he shouldn't be paid as such, and uh, and his performance in the first two weeks of the season has probably backed that up. Tom's on the line. Uh, The Blues, Tom, have you, uh, you got a thought on them? Yeah, mate, we're not, we're not showing anything, mate. You're right, mate. I'm sick of uh, Teague's um,
5: honourable honorable performances again. Mate, you got to hit the ground running at the start, mate. Collingwood picked us off in the back line. Darcy Moore's a superstar defender, mate. He's. he's mate, give him the brown line, mate. This bloke, he's the best defender in the country by a mile. He picked us off. We've got not enough board pressure. Question marks on Casbolt and uh, Murphy, mate. I don't know what's, what's the story with them. I um, love Harry Mack, mate. You know, he's given us much upboard, mate, but he's got no second effort. He's got to give us that too to keep the ball in our forward 50. Um, I can't... I don't know, mate. We're still going to be a bottom six side if we don't um, start um, measuring up, mate. I mean, you've got to knock off these big sides that have been playing finals for the last decade
1: to make progression. And I don't know when it's going to come. Mm. When's it going to come, Blues fans? That That is... That is the question, and my sympathy is with you this morning because when there's so much optimism about the off season, and you pay Zach Williams 800 grand, you pay Saad, you go and get him from another club, give him a long term contract, and you expect the development of Dow, and, and 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 we're not going to be critical of Walsh because he has developed, but but Wiederings ready to go when they get to that 60 to 100 game bracket, which a lot of these players have, you expect them to take the leap. Now, they turn up with an attitude that lays seven tackles in a quarter of footy and 41 for a game. 41 tackles in a game of footy that lasted 120 minutes. It's extraordinary when you're staring down the barrel of zero and two for the ninth year in a row, as Tommy said. Baz is in Coburg. Whew, a lot of blues fans angry this morning, and rightly so. Are you one of them, Baz?
4: Yeah, mate. Uh,
6: hello, Kano. Um, yeah, I've been. For two or three years, mate, Clowman, how he gets a game at Carlton, I don't know. I don't know what to say, mate. And the bloke, you know, every week in, week out, Dacos Dakos helps what's the Dakos' height is it probably what, six five foot, eight, five foot nine? Yeah. How I he off the ball, kicks that goal in the goal square. It just he's he things haven't changed at Carlton. Like New Year, but same old, same old mate. Mm. You know, you go two, three weeks, you look forward to the season starting. And then they dish up crap like that. So you know what I mean. It's just, and every year everyone's saying, "Oh, Connell's under pressure, mate." They've lost one game. Why is Buckley and Connell under pressure? It's it's Carlton that should be under pressure every week.
1: Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to bash individuals because it's a tough game to play, and it's easy from watching on your lounge room or up in the stands. But um, I guess the criticism is more directed at the Carlton coaches on that fact of how Lockie Plowman um, does get selected every week because it was one of those nights where just before he got pushed off the ball from Dacos, he kicked it out on the full. He he, he probably had um, conservatively seven goals kicked on him in the first half from from what I could see. Now, do do you get him off? Do you, I don't know, there was... I thought perhaps they'd get him to feign a hammy and get uh, Oscar McDonald on to try and save the day. Of course, they wouldn't risk that, but something had to be done in the in the coach's box. Wherever they moved him, um, the Collingwood forward really did get a hold of him last night. But he wasn't alone. Steve's on the road. Your thoughts on the Blues, Steve? How oh,
7: okay, are Good, mate. Uh, mate, I agree with every, everything you said. Unfortunately, I'm a diehard card supporter. Plowman, every week I say it to my son, how's this guy getting the game every week? The long sleeves, the no heart, two stops. Mate, speeders in the same boat. Uh, Levi Casbolt. bring in Oscar McDonald who actually showed more in a half a footy than Levi has in the last, not just two weeks, the last 10 weeks of last season as well did absolutely nothing, right? You've got Harry McKay pretty much up there by himself. The small fools don't know what they're doing and his attitude sucks. Uh, I can't listen to his press conferences anymore because it starts my head in, oh, yeah, we played all right, this, this and that. What a load of rubbish. Mate, they're too soft. And I'll give you the tip on Patrick Grips what's going on this season. He's not injured. What it is, is the game's sped up and he's not fit enough or quick enough to get around the ground to get to the contest. There's not as many contests. There's not as many ball-ups. It's Mm. free-flowing. And that's where his downfall is down. He's sort of
1: running around. but Walsh's passing because Walsh can get some more content. Mm. And, and well, play- Walsh's work rate is e- extraordinary. And, yeah, there, there's definitely a bit of that. But, I mean, the game suited Crips last year. Shortened games, um, you know, of short nature. A lot more stoppages, a lot more contested. And... He finished ninth in their best and fairest. So this has been coming for a while with Patrick Cripps. This isn't this isn't an issue that's just bobbed up and a lot of people defending him saying he's injured and all of that. This is an issue that has been staring in our face for a good two seasons and no one has wanted to acknowledge it. Now he's out of contract at 26 with multiple so- shoulder surgeries and the game perhaps moving past him. What sort of statement to Carlton make with this deal that they give him? Because I've heard 1.3 million. I've heard seven years, I've heard massive money. They would be negligent to pay him anything more than 7 750 as, as I spoke about on Footy Classified on Monday night. Thanks for your passion, Steve. Anthony's on the line, the Blues. Anthony, your thoughts?
6: Oh, not happy, Kano. not happy, mate. It starts at the top with David. Unfortunately, Tigi, mate, you've got to be harder. You've got to be ruthless. You've got to get that out of him. His continual loyalty to guys like Mark Murphy, Levi Casbolt, Lockie Plowman, our Tommy Williamson, and Petrovsky, Seton, you're killing the kid. We've killed him. He came to the scene as a, as a high-half forward mid, had a breakout game against the Bulldogs, and we haven't seen him in the midfield ever since. just continually putting him in the back line. Then you've got guys that are midfielders in Zach Fisher. Michael Gibbons are doing a great job as forwards. They're not forwards. They're going to be in the midfield. And you've got Zachary Williams have recruited him. Put him in the half back line. Get Plowman out of there, for God's sake. And then Oscar McDonald, like the other caller said... He's shown more and a half than Caswell's shown in, in a year, but they play Caswell on one leg. Um, uh, It's just it's just shocking, Kane. And then they've got to use Crips like Dusty. Tell him that's the centre line. Don't go there. Get Newnes, you know, get other guys to do his work in the defensive half like the Tigers do. You know, where's the development? Paddy Dow got better, but he hasn't taken the next step. Uh, will Setterfield's gone backwards. I mean, who's the head of development down there? And I think Teague will get judged this week by a lot of supporters to see if he actually makes a hard call for once in his life and says, you know what, Mark, I'm sorry, but you're not up to it at the moment. You can go in the reserves, and there are plenty of guys like your Cunninghams, like your Stockers, like your Cottrells. They can play that role with more intensity and more tackling pressure than Mark
8: has ever done. Unfortunately, (laughs) it's been a great... one
1: 736 736 Passion shining through. Um, A lot of angry Blues fans, and rightly so. Thanks, Anthony. Let's go to Geoffrey. G'day, Geoffrey. G'day, uh, Kane. Thank you for talking with me. I, I enjoy your show. Keep Pleasure. up your work. Thank you. Uh, I've just noticed one. I've been going to the
7: MCG now for many years, and uh, I've noticed that Carlton have won one night match at the MCG in 22 games. Really? Any
1: idea of why that trend's happening? No, this is a bit of a Bruce McIverney start for us, Jeffrey. You got an idea? Well, I'm just, I, I, I'm starting to think I'm not going to go to the football, and I've watch Carlton
7: at
1: the MCG the night game because they just can't win them. But they yeah, well, right back to 12. I, I don't know. I guess the, the night marquee games are coming up against good opposition, but one game in 22, it's not a great number, and zero and two for the nine years in a row is an even worse number. Uh, let's get to Nathan. Your thoughts, Nathan? Yeah, Kane. I just
4: reckon Mark Murphy, mate, he's just been bashed this week, and fair and not fair, He's a midfielder. He's a half forward and forward. he's a midfielder his whole life. That's all he's ever known. He's actually not a bad clearance player when he goes in there. He's not so much a good He's pretty good. He didn't go to one centre bounce last night, but
7: mm.
4: one. He's going to start making changes. I wish they had more there in the first two minutes. I'm going to, to go to the goalie. Planning the two side for him.
1: Just on a bit of a dodgy, just on a bit of a dodgy line there, Nath. We'll, we'll just get you back, put you back to Benny, and because and you, you do have some really interesting points to make. Um, so let's go to uh, Dom, who wants to have his say. Good to you, yeah, Dom. Yeah, g'day, Kane. Yeah, count
6: to look. They. The biggest mistake they made was last week, Silvani was really good and and McDonald was really good and they didn't have either of them. The problem ain't why they played Kasbold because they didn't have another Ruckman. But for three quarters, we were were pretty good. And with Cripps, when he went forward, I'll just watch the replay then, he had three really good marking chances in that third quarter and he just dropped every one of them. They're definitely going to make some changes. I mean, you know, McGovern's a loss, but I mean... It's like two games. It's like the
1: whole season's gone. I but mean, it's, but it's nine some... years. It, so Dom, it's not. It's nine years zero and two. Like it's not. It's not two games. And, and I get it. They'll win this week against Fremantle. They'll probably win the next week against Gold Coast, and they're two and two. And we'll go. oh, Hang on. You know, the pressure is alleviated. But against good sides to hit the ground running and serve up seven tackles in the first quarter of footy, when you know the club is under pressure. Is not good enough so it's not two games it's nine years that that's the that's what you're probably missing and that's why the sympathy is there for the Blues fans it's it's not as if it's Geelong. Uh, Geelong start 0-2 they lose to Brisbane tonight well yeah they, they reckon they got some credits in the bank yeah I'm pretty confident that that they can turn it around probably same goes for you know if it happened to Richmond but it doesn't happen Two sides that need to be hungry and need to make a statement early on in the year and hit the ground running. So I think you've slightly missed the point there. We'll get to Ben, Jason, Joey, George and Dale on the other side of this. We're up and running on the captain's run for you Friday.
7: Game
4: has changed. Oh, I thought he looked dangerous forward, actually. We, we probably went one shorter in the front half with Jack Silvani not down there, and we thought Patrick, I think he had a chance. He might have
2: even dropped one at one stage. got to look at a couple others, so oh, I think he's still strong around the, the clearances. I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but I felt like he was, he was probably one of our better couple. Last year, Patrick got lots of shots on goal and didn't finish his work, and he's been working on that. I know he'd never make an excuse, but is he fully fit from a running perspective? Yeah, yeah, no, nah, he's, he's, he's right to go.
1: That was Carlton coach David Teague speaking on the form issues of co-captain Patrick Cripps. Our number's one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Kylie is in Melbourne and she wants to chat about the game last night. Welcome to you, Kylie.
8: Hi, Kane. Thank you. How are you going?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
8: I'm good, thanks. Um, I just wanted to call up and say I don't normally agree with too many things you say, but you hit the nail on the head this morning when you summed up Carlton. Um Last night and uh, last uh, two games for this year. Mm. Um, Teague just not passionate enough. We are so passionate. Um, I've been a Carlton supporter for 36 years. My teenage kids. We just want some passion. Bring it to the table. Come on, Carlton.
1: He's not. It's yeah, just been he's too he's...
8: long. Like you said, it's it's not just two games. It's been like 10 years <laughs> and longer.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I feel your pain. Yeah, I, I do I do want a bit more from, from Teague. I, you know, I think he's just a lovely guy. A very, obviously, sees That's the game well, nothing. but he's... Yeah, more demanding, I reckon, Kylie. You know, fire them up. Yeah, fire up, says Kylie. Kylie says Teague, he's got to fire up. What do you reckon, Blues fans? We'll quickly sneak in Benny from Mildura. Beautiful Mildura, that is. Lockie Plowman had a nightmare last night. Ben, what's your thoughts? Hey,
4: Kane, can you do us a favor? Sunday
1: Footy oh. Show. Yep. Whoa. Sorry, yeah. mate. Yeah, I got you, mate. Yeah, but Johnny, so Johnny on, just hit the button.
4: On the Sunday Footy Show, can you do every Carlton supporter a favour and show Lockie Plowman laughing after he just had ball kicked on him by De and after the game, where he was laughing with Brodie Grundy, and he had a hand in nine goals. Mm. Us. he had nine so ben, goals just just hold
1: night. that thought because we're going to go to the 9:30 news and i'll get you back on after the 9 30 news i've i've got it written in my notes uh, i i sent a message to the sunday footy show producer and i said look i've seen a screenshot of Lockie plowman laughing i haven't seen the vision of it but if he was that's not on and a slap in the face for you blues fans time now for the 9 30 news headlines Righto, before the news, we spoke to Ben in Mildura, we've got him there, and I've seen similar reaction on social media to Lockie Plowman having a laugh and a joke with Brody Grundy on the final siren. I reckon by my count he had six or seven kicked on in, in the first half, Ben. To see that, how'd it had to make you feel? Mate, I'm
4: gutted, mate. I'm absolutely gutted, and... Well, Being gutted last night and then to turn around and see him do that, you just think, what's the point? You seriously? Because he's just a bike that's happy collecting a paycheck, obviously, and uh, not giving a fuck about what we're about.
1: And rightly so. uh, Next time Jared has Malcolm Blight on, I'd love for Jared to ask Blighty about the bus monitor story. In essence, on the back of a bad loss, there was. No laughing, there was no talking on the bus from the ground to the airport to the point where Ben Hart was employed as the bus monitor to make sure his teammates weren't laughing on the back of the I laugh about it, but Ben, I'm I'm with you, mate. Mark Mark Williams was the same. We lost a game, you couldn't shake hands with the opponent after the game. Now, old school, get it, new generation, all all that. But what Carlton fans want to see, been hurting for 20 years, they want to see the players hurt a little bit as well. Uh, and on the back of that, uh, look, uh, I'm with you, Ben. Absolutely. Uh, Jason's in Frankston. Mark Murphy, um, a yeah. bit of a talking point this morning, Jason, Your view. Yeah,
5: mate, a bit late, a bit of a talking point. I, I think everyone's dancing around the issue. Is the elephant in the room. It has been for 10 years yeah, or more. You had an earlier caller say that he's not a midfielder. Well, we, we, uh, he's not a forward. Well, he's not a midfielder either, which is why he's playing forward. We want to talk about the age. They got rid of Cade Simpson, who was still playing beautiful football and holding mm. up their back line and dividing mm. run. Yet they got rid of him. Mark Murphy, it's like you can't talk about him. I, I, I called him uh, right at the start of his first 10 games, the first number one draft pick never to play 50 games. But I was wrong. He's gone on... Time's up.
9: You
1: cannot have any conversation about Carlton unless it starts and probably finishes with him. He is a dud. I think that's harsh. I don't agree with that, Jason. I think Mark Murphy's had an outstanding career. Like, And, of course, he's been at a club for a very lean period. He's you know, he's only played in six finals and um, his win-loss ratio is, is poor at 39%. But he's He's had a pretty good career, Mark Murphy. He's going to play his 300th game this year. He's been a goal kicker, I think. At his best, he's been a, a damaging midfielder and, and certainly someone that we used to put some time and effort into whenever we played Carlton. So I think to say he's a dad is harsh. And I think most people, if they could, at the start of their career, say, I'm going to have a career like Mark Murphy, um, you would absolutely take it. So, yeah, coming to the end, playing out of position perhaps now, but I think that's a little bit harsh. George is in Collingwood and he wants to speak about one of the coaches under the pump this year, and and that is David Teague. Your thoughts, George? Kane, I've got two points.
6: Um, One is uh, he doesn't make any uh, changes during the game. Now, Plowman, yep, we talked about Plowman, but Casbolt was a defender for, I think, maybe two years. They made him a defender. Why didn't he go back during the game to say, you know what, let's put him back. Let's try something different. Let's put Petrescu's seat in the middle with his run. Let's do something. He does nothing during a
9: game. The team's a team, and that's it.
1: Yeah, it's a similar criticism levelled at Ben Rutten our early days. Ben Rutten and, and Teague's been in the position longer. What are you doing to change momentum? And more so for me, I mean, the comments prior to the game, just to say essentially the win's important, but if we don't win, we'll be all right. And Collingwood back in you know, two years ago won a flag when they started 0-2. on Don't give me that when everything is on the line and you wonder why the team turns up half asleep and lays seven tackles in the first quarter. It was, he's got to be harder. And I've said it for a while. He's got to be harder. He's got to get angrier. He's got to be more demanding of his players because time's going to run out. It's going to run out pretty quickly. Uh, Joey's in two, right? Your thoughts on the Blues, Joey? First
6: of all, just uh, going backwards when T got appointed, grand final though, he's sitting in the stands with Mitch McGovern, Paddy Cripps and a couple others drinking beers when, you know, he shouldn't be that close to the players to start with. you got Plowman, Tom Wilson, and um, Gibbons. They're all soft players. And the only hard person at that, that club that was running that club and had any idea about the list and the direction that was supposed to be going in was Steve Silvani, and they get rid of him. They get on a five-year plan to rebuild, and the only person left from the whole group is the president. He's, he's whacked everyone along the way, Got right? Throw him out. And there's no-one that knows what's going on. And John Barker's been there for 12 years. He was a senior coach. He would have been gone by now. End of story.
1: Thank you. Thank you for your thoughts, Joey. Steve is in Lilydale, and he'd be in good spirits because his crows caused the upset of the season in round one. But he wants to talk about the Blues. Steve, good morning.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hi, Kane. Go to Bombers this week. Can't wait to watch the Mighty Bombers play. Um... <laughs> I wanted to actually talk about Carlton Kane because I think that what you touched on there about Adelaide is is perfect I've got a game that Carlton can watch and it happened at 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. That's Adelaide versus Geelong.
1: Is where you've got a team of
2: essentially no names going up against a team of, of you know household names and just because of pure pressure and effort and the culture at Adelaide, the good successful culture, um, clearly that, that then, then Adelaide are able to chase them down and make Geelong look second rate. Carlton, they seem to fill their list up every year with names but these guys don't actually want to put in any effort so I just think I think that's the secret the team shows them what the mighty adelaide crows did last week and um and yeah and 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 they'll, they'll turn it around really quick
1: well for the first time I agree with you I think Steve I, that was a great lesson what Adelaide did to Geelong and uh, and I do wonder you know how much notice uh, other players and the competition takes out of a team, and I did the exercise with it. Oh, how many of those Crows players would have made Geelong's best 22? I came up with five. Like You can't understate how bad a performance was from Geelong, but it was an unbelievable performance from Adelaide. Pressure, tackling, swarming, numbers to the ball. Every time the opposition got it, you're all over them. If you do that in an even competition, anyone can beat anyone. But if you serve up what you served up in the first quarter last night for a team that had to be better... Then Collingwood, who kicked seven the week before, seven goals in a whole game of footy, slice and dice you and make Jamie Elliott look like Lee Matthews. It's an amazing lesson for the whole of the competition. It's a good point you make, Steve. Connor's on the road. Uh, You're a Pies fan, Connor. This is the other story of what a strong performance it was. You'd be pretty happy this morning.
8: Kane, as a Collingwood supporter, there is one thing better than winning a grand final, and that's beating Carlton. (laughs) <laughs> Love it.
7: Love it. Now,
8: what
1: about look, beating Jamie Carlton in a grand final?
8: Uh, well, the last time that happened, I don't want to talk about it. And plus, I wasn't even born then. So, okay. All right. Um, okay. So, I want to wish Jamie Elliott the best. I hope he's okay mm-hmm. with his ankle. I hope it's not too bad. But I've got to say, the go first half, he just ripped Carlton the shreds. Darcy Moore... Well, if he's not leading Collingwood, West and Ferris right now, I'd be stunned. And I think that the group got a fair kicking up the backside from their performance. I thought they were—I have to be honest—I thought they were pretty insipid against the Bulldogs, and mm. the margin was very sympathetic for them. And I said this year a couple of weeks ago. I wouldn't be surprised if they went four and two or five and one. I stand by that. They've got Brisbane. They've got a great record at the Gabba. I know they lost up there last time, but they've still got a great record there. They've beaten the Eagles in a knockout final in Perth. The Giants, well, we don't know what, what to expect from them. And Essendon, well, if we if we have our heads in the right space, we should win that game. So, I looked at Collingwood's game last night, much improved. I'm a very happy man. And I wouldn't be surprised after round six, we were either four and two or five and one. And if that's the case... Considering Nathan Buckley was under the pump this time last week, I uh, I would be very happy with mm. that
1: performance. Good and on you, I mate. Say- Appreciate your thoughts. A lot of uh, happy Collingwood fans this morning, and rightly so. I want to ask you, who, who'd you give, who would you have given, um, and this is to everyone, who would you give him the three votes to last night? Because Adams was, some of his numbers, frightening. Uh, Darcy Moore, whew. Sensational. Crisp was great. Pendlebury was solid. Who, who got the three votes last night? And it's about time the umpires start recognising players that don't play in the midfield. So I would have given it to Darcy Moore last night. And could he win the Brownlow? No, because the umpires don't vote for anyone else but midfielders. But he should be getting the recognition, and I think that he is. We'll get to Peter Craig, Paul Jarvis and Nathan on the other side of this. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane coins. Busy first hour, a lot of angry Carlton fans wanting to have their say. You can do that as always on one 736 736 And for Pies fans, after 10 o'clock, we're going to speak to John Noble to go inside the winner's camp a little bit later on. GWS CEO Dave Matthews, Port Adelaide's Dan Houston, and all of our regular segments. But Paul has been waiting patiently for us in New South Wales. Um, you want to speak about the victors last night, Paul. Welcome.
5: Hello.
2: Oh, thanks, Kane. Oh, yeah,
5: mate. Um, what I'd like to see is what we did. And what we did was go back to 2018 when we used to um, get the ball up quickly and, and to our leading um, forwards. And th- that's the formula. It's a winning formula. We nearly won a grand final playing like that. The game has quickened up. Uh, you know, finally the pennies dropped and I hope we don't move away from that game plan, Kane. It's a winning formula.
1: Absolutely efficient ball movement, fast entries and I thought the control of the game, I thought the sense of when to slow it down, when to uh, kick Mark, uh, take some sting and some heat out of the game, particularly late. I thought it was a pretty mature performance last night from a Collingwood side who were poor in round one but bounced back very, very quickly. Part of that was because Carlton allowed them to do that with their le- lack of pressure. Peter's in Preston. You want to speak about the Blues, Pete? Welcome to the Captain's Run, mate.
7: Yeah, g'day, Kane. Uh, listen, mate, I'm going to have a launch here. Um, development, mate. We don't have a development system at Carlton. I'm sick of watching Bulldogs and the Swans. They don't bottom out. They just rebuild. They develop their kids. And they get thrown in the deep end, and they improve, and they perform, and they're a good team again. With Carlton, you've got blokes like John Barker, Brent Stanton. I mean, please. Fancy trying to learn how to get a hard ball off either of those blokes. They've been around that long. Just get rid of them. Number two, Kane. Mark yep. Murphy. Been there for what? 16 years, the game's gone past him. He's lost two yards of pace. Pendlebury's lost a yard of pace as well. But guess what? Mm. Pendlebury punishes you when he gets the ball. Murphy does nothing, mate. He's got to go. It's just got to... They've got to get rid of Teague, the whole coaching panel, and if not the board, get in Mitchell and Hodge, get some blokes that are just fresh out of the game, that were champions of the game, and teach you how to play the game because we're not going to accept
1: this crap anymore. Good on you, Pete. Appreciate your passion. Craig is in Croydon South. Your thoughts, Craig? G'day, Tano. Thanks for taking my call.
2: Pleasure, mate. Um, look, I'm not going to say anything that anyone else has already said because so I'm just going to be repeating it. I just, six, seven, eight years ago now, I remember going to a game at Had and I remember Carlton got thumped and I jumped back in the car and I was driving home and I was listening to Finey. And I remember him saying, as a St Kilda supporter growing up, he used to hate Carlton. He said they were arrogant, they were intimidating, they were tough, they just won. And he said, you know what? Now as a grown man, he said, I just feel sorry for Carlton. And here we are, six, seven, eight years later,
1: mm.
2: he's still in the exact same spot. When he said that all those years ago, mate, I felt like that was the, that was rock bottom for us. You know, I felt so embarrassed to be a Carlton supporter at that time that a St Kilda supporter felt sorry for us. And yet here we are eight years later, mate, and nothing's changed. I'm at the lowest point. Again, that performance last night was a disgrace. I don't care if we lose. I just want four quarters of effort. And I can walk away from a game after a loss with four quarters of effort and say, well, you know what, we had a crack. And last night we didn't have a crack. And that's it. I've had enough.
1: Well put, Craig. And it would be great if the players and you know, and the coaches, by extension of that and the board and all of that, are listening this morning and hearing the pain in your voice. Like, I, I I can hear your passion. I can hear your hurt. And I can hear your pain. And the, the text message blew up when we had Ben call in and say to see Plowman and some of the other players laughing and joking and smirking. And the players might say, well, the game's over. Like, what, what, How can we change the game after we're allowed to you know, have a bit of a smirk with an opposition player? But they don't get it and they don't get the pain that some of you supporters have put up with for however long. Now, if, if you're 20 years of age and you support Carlton, it's been pretty rough. Um, it's been really rough as you sound a little bit older than 20, Craig, but um, not much older. It's been a, a rough ride for you. Uh, ben wants to speak about Collingwood, who were magnificent last night. Um, we can't say that strongly enough. What was your biggest takeouts last night, Ben?
7: Uh, morning, Kane.
1: um
5: Basically, for me, mate, I'm absolutely loving listening to all these Carlton supporters ring up and implode and turn on their club. It's music to my ears. But I loved the pies last night, their effort. And compared to last week, like, last week it was our fans ringing up and doing the same. And I just want to say to all those Carlton fans who rang up and, you know, were calling for Buckley's head and all that last week, what Carlton fans are doing now, like, pull your heads in, it was round one. You know, all the media clowns right Carlton it off after one round. It's, you know, it's just, I feel vindicated, mate, we're much better than that. And we proved that last night.
1: I think, um, to be fair, I think there was a few Collingwood fans ringing up the trade radio station after Collingwood's off-season as well and imploding. So it's it's a passionate game. It's the morning after a really difficult loss, and it's nine years in a row of starting 0-2 and two when there was so much optimism around the Carlton Footy Club. And I think the Carlton fans have a right to be fed up with what their club is serving up this morning, and this is the platform and the outlet for them to do that. And try and generate some change, which um, is more than overdue. Uh, Nathan is, in fact, Jarvis is on the line. He also wants to speak about uh, the Carlton Footy Club. Your thoughts, Jarvis? Good day, Kane, uh, mate. Firstly, I'm one of the few Carlton
9: members/supporters who actually agree with most of your views. So, thanks for all your, all your thoughts over the years. Good on you, mate. Uh, mate, I've got a few points I need to get off my chest very quickly. Firstly, my six-year-old son woke up this morning. I told him we lost again last night. His comment to me, Daddy, we always lose. That's not good enough. A club has won 16 premierships. We're hiding on our history. Not good enough for a new generation to wait, grow up thinking we're no good. Now, points. Our coach, David Teague, he's a nice guy. He can't coach. I don't want nice guys. I want winners. Our assistant coaches, not good enough. John Buck has been there 15 years. No good. Onfield, leadership, lacking. Patrick Cripps, I feel sorry for him. He's been a loyal servant. He, we should trade him. He's not worth the money that he wants. Even for, um, get Sarah and a first rounder from Fremantle, do it. He does not hurt the opposition like other elite midfielders. Sam Doherty. yes, he's been out for two years. You don't fumble in goal squares like he did last week. I'm concerned about his disposal. Big question marks there. Our recruiting and development. Paddy Dow, O'Brien, SPS, Liam Stocker, we haven't seen. Cedricville was a pick five, Planner was a pick three. What are we doing with our development? Nowhere to be seen. The biggest miss- Good on you, Jarvis. And- there's,
1: a, there's a lot there and a lot of people wanting to have their say. I, I do want to give everyone the platform to do that, um, and we'll be with you right throughout the day. Dwayne's world will also be taking your calls in the first hour of his show. But we'll get to Nathan, Lou, Steve, Darren, and Ian uh, on the other side of this short breather. If we haven't been able to get to your call, we will do so before twelve o'clock. After we speak to John Noble out of the ten o'clock news, we will open up the lines again and give you the opportunity to give us a call and join in the conversation with us this morning. Nathan's on the line. Um, what'd you make of the footy last night, Nathan? Welcome. G'day, mate.
4: How are you? Good thanks. Um, just this, just this thing with the Mark Murphy, just getting bashed and
2: that. Like, I just—he's a midfielder. He's not a forward. He's not a half forward. He's not even a small forward. He needs to play midfield, and that's it. Because if, if there's not a spot for him in the midfield, then there's probably not a spot for him in the side. And just the whole thing with Ploughman on to go early, Jones should have gone to Ploughman ah, to go straight away. Everyone could see that playing side of the ground. I just think the coaches, they need to take more responsibility for this. They didn't make one change all night, not one.
1: Mm,
2: and you've got six yeah, or seven and, blokes and, sitting up there getting paid good money, and they, just, they don't want to do anything.
1: And a lot of people saying the same and similar to you, Nath. Um, so I appreciate your call as well. So we've got Lou, Stephen, Darren and Ian. We'll get to you after we have a chat to John Noble. We'll take your calls right throughout the morning. one three hundred seven 736 I've left a, a fair amount of time in the show for you to ring up more time than we would usually because of how many people want to join in the conversation with us this morning. Carlton have dominated our discussion in the first hour and they can do so right throughout the day. It is your show. We talk about what you want to talk about and the topics are dictated by you. John Noble, highest fans though. Young player forging out a nice career for himself with a great story to tell. He will join us out of the 10 o'clock news headlines. Very good morning to you. If you're just tuning in to us, it was a really busy first hour. It's four minutes past 10 o'clock. If you're with us on 1629 SENSA in Adelaide, it is 26 minutes to 10. Passionate Carlton fans have called up in their droves this morning and we've still got many more wanting to have their say, which we will get to. If you've missed any of it, the, the podcast is up and a little snapshot of what the Blues fans are saying. Follow the captain's run on Twitter, and we'll get to Stephen, Darren, and Ian very, very shortly. You can call us and text us through until 12 o'clock. But right now, it's time to get to our next guest. So, Noble makes his approach, he too is yet to kick a goal in his league career.
0: Gets momentum up, hangs it out to the right, watches it feed back,
4: and another breaks their back.
1: John Noble is forging out a very nice career for himself in black and white across half back and he's been good enough to join us to chat to us about the win on Thursday night footy Johnny thanks for your time mate Thanks mate good to have good to, good to be here I was interested in the reaction from a number of teams that lost in round 1 and there were some there was some bad ones uh, Geelong's performance unexpected Brisbane the same and and your performance was poor was it going to be bring your mouthguards to training or was it almost going to be a mulligan like you're getting golf and we'll forget about it and move on? Which of the two was it? Um,
10: oh, probably a little bit of both. You know, we knew we had to improve in, in certain areas that um, base, we base our game off from last week and we are quite disappointed in that area. Um, probably particularly our contested ball and, um, you know, we certainly had a focus of that during the week. It's a bit difficult coming off... Um, a Six day break to sort of you know grab your mouth guards and go mm. full bore at the gate, but um, yeah, look, we were disappointed in some of those areas last week, but um, I think we picked off where we uh, where we thought we were at in pre season and um, were able to implement, implement that uh, last
1: night. A lot of talk about um, your inability to score the week before, lowest scoring team in the competition with seven goals, but by you know, a couple of minutes into the second quarter, you had eight on the board and the forward line was functioning as good as we've seen. I mean, as you said, six days, you can't turn everything around in that space. But how much work was done on the connection between the back line, the mids and the forwards?
10: Yeah, a little bit. It, it, it was more around a discussion with um, with how we, we know we play our brand and, and what works for us. Um, and, you know, we really honed in on that this week and, and we focused on us more than the opposition, um, and that usually holds us in pretty good stead with knowing, you know, where we want to transition the ball and and how we want to access our forwards. So, um, again, it was really pleasing to see that that um, that was coming off well last night.
1: Functioned as as good as we've seen for a long time. Midfield was strong, and your defensive unit was solid. So if if you look through the names back there, Chris was sensational. We know about Darcy Moore. I'll get your thoughts on him shortly. Jeremy Howe's going to get better. Isaac Quain is a, a very... Good young player who has improved dramatically, and yourself is now a lock in that side. So the connection and the chemistry between your six it looked really strong again last night.
10: Yeah, definitely, we're a really, um, really tight knit group back there. You know, we've got a really strong relationship on and off the field, and um, I guess that chemistry really helps when you do run out in the park, and you know, you've got that trust and that synergy between. The back six, um, you know, we, we, we have that as a team as a whole, but, um, you know, the backs are always often said, you know, you're a team with a team and that's um, no word of a lie. It pretty much is. So, um, yeah, we're really strong back there, which is really good for us.
1: A few strong personalities back there. Who's the leader of the backline? <laughs> yeah there's a few strong leaders back there
10: um you know they're all they're all pretty they're all pretty good in their own in their own way um I think Darcy moore has been exceptional this year and, and throughout pre season um you've got Ruffy that's got a karma collected head on him how he's um instrumental he's like a general back there, um and even some of the younger boys like q and and bras and things, uh, people like that are, are really stepping up. So um, we pretty much share the load between us. But, um, yeah, there's certainly some strong personalities that, um, you know, we, we gel well, to, well together. So
1: Darcy Moore had 18 intercepts, like 18. It's frightening. I think the next best <laughs> on the ground was, was 10. And on the back of what he did in round one, I mean, he's the best player in round one as well. His pre-season like, and his improvement, talk me through that. Yeah, you can just you can definitely tell he's um
10: he's really starting to hone in on his craft and um, you know, it's a credit to Darcy, he's um he's an amazing person and he's really got a really good, well balanced life at the moment between footy and, and what he likes to do outside of footy. Um and so I guess that's that's really holding him in good stead at the moment and again he's you know, he's in our leadership group now, he's instrumental for our younger blokes and and, t- and teaching each other, you know different parts of the game and and how he likes to defend and and really help and support us. But, um, yeah, it's it's easy to see he's taking his game to the next level and that's a, a credit to all the work that he's put in.
1: It was a big week for, your, I think, probably your, your most high-profile player, uh, Brodie Grundy. He was, he was down on form last year, we know that, and he was beaten by two good ruckmen in round one, and he did come into last night's game under significant pressure. Your coach spoke about that after the game, but he did respond, and it was back to his best last night. How's he been around the club?
10: Yeah, he's he's lively. He's um, He's got a very bubbly uh, personality, and, and we feed off that. Um, Brad is an elite player of the competition. Um, you know he responded really well, and he was crucial for us last night in our win. So, um, yeah, again, he's an elite player of the competition. He's bubbly, he's a, he's a lovely person, and, and an amazing player. So we're very lucky to have
1: him. Is he vocal out there? Does he does he say much, or does he just go about his business? No, he's he's pretty
10: vocal. He's pretty strong, and he's in his presence alone, let alone his uh, his voice at times. Um, is very much a leader of action and um, and putting things in place that, that makes him better and that makes us all better. Um, and you know when Broads is firing and fit and he's up and about, he's um he's at his best and that's when we love playing with him.
1: Are you conscious of his workload? Like games going back to um, the normal length, the interchange has been capped. He's done a power of work on his own in the most demanding position on the ground for the last five to six years. How are you going to protect him this year? Oh, I think it's just having that balance between
10: um, different oppositions each week, whether it's you know, more balanced with Coxie or, or Darcy Cameron who who's been amazing and instrumental in his pre season this year with Ruff and competing with the bigger blokes. So I guess it's just finding that balance. I mean it's gonna be the loads of change for everyone with the um the lower rotation cap and the time time on field. So um I guess that's just something that we're just gonna to have to juggle with not only Broads but with a bunch of players, you know, in the front half and wanting more energy up there and, and then our defence as well. So I guess it's just a juggling act between all parts of the field, particularly with our with our rucks and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's not just for Broads, it's for everyone as well.
1: They came at you in the third quarter, definitely a response after halftime, and there was a period of about 10 minutes during that third term where your defensive unit was under the pump and you'd clear the ball but it would come straight back in. Um, how did that feel being out there on the ground in that moment?
10: Yeah, it was tough. Um we knew Carlton Royal was gonna come back. They play a very fast, uh, offensive type game and um they did. They came very strong in that third quarter. We were um we we're happy with how we sort of stood up against that. Um, like you said, we we're under a fair bit of heat and we couldn't quite get it out of that area without it coming back in, you know, two, three seconds later. So um but again, I mean, you go back to, to Darth and, and his his uh, elite ability to either intercept or, or have a contest was was amazing for us. and um, <clears throat> The same with, with Ruffy as well. I mean, he's calm and collected. Head keeps us in good shape um, and, we, and we back ourselves to get it done. So that was pleasing.
1: Speaking of Collingwood defender John Noble on the line on the back of the Magpies, getting the job done against Carlton on Thursday night footy. The only sour point out of it was Jamie Elliott. And I think everyone around the competition's heart sank when they saw him go down. He clearly knew something it was... Seriously wrong. Um, scans. Early indication, perhaps a, a small break in a fibler. I think I saw a report on Twitter. Um, how was he after the game? Have you had a chat to, to have a chat to him?
10: Yeah, he was in the rooms after. Um, I mean, we're not 100 percent sure what what the go is at this stage. he will get scans and and we'll reevaluate from that. But um, yeah, he was he was still talking. He was he was happy for the win, and um, you know he certainly contributed to that. Um, hitting the scoreboard a couple of times so um, yeah we'll just be patient on that but um, yeah he was in he was in reasonably good spirits after the game
1: hmm. um, and just some quick fire ones before we let you go how are you pulling up after games it it looks pretty taxing out there
10: yeah the uh, you certainly notice the the less the lesser rotations and, and the longer games compared from last year um and particularly with those new, those new rules um, implemented as well, it's definitely a, a quicker game. It's more up and back with less stoppages, so transitioning loads are, are a lot higher. Um, and, um, yeah, you're certainly feeling it after after games, that's for sure.
1: You want to take a note of Dangerfield's bump and his three-wack match suspension. Did, did your coach speak to you about how to go about it or the players are just aware now of exactly what to do and what not to do?
10: Yeah, no, not really. We um, The players are pretty much aware of, of what's what's acceptable and what's not. Um, you know, there's a, there's also a little bit of grey area in there as well with, um, you know, being able to protect yourself and that split decision that you've got to, to either choose to bump or tackle or, um, you know, I guess sort of corral the player that's got the ball. So um, I think most players are aware. Um, I don't think they need, we haven't had any coaching on it or or any, you know, vision on it at all. So, um, yeah, I think we're all pretty aware of of what's what's acceptable.
1: Hey, I uh, interviewed a mate of yours yesterday on SENSA, Will Snelling, and you used to live together. Of course, he's playing for the Bombers now. He, He reckons you've kicked him out. So what's happened? The old man's come back coaching North Melbourne. You've kicked your old teammate out and you've gone back to live with Dad. Is that accurate?
10: No, that's not accurate at all. Of course he said that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> What's happened then? Well, you're not living together anymore. You're back with dad. So, which which part has he got wrong?
10: Uh, no, I think it was a mutual decision in the end. Really, right. <laughs> um, we both went our separate ways, uh, wanted to be closer to the club each way, and um, yeah, different situations sort of allowed us to separate and, and be uh, be different individuals for once. Um, but um, no, he's a he's a great bloke and we still catch up for coffee. That's for sure. He's um, he stitched me up there. It's a joke.
1: He, he, he sounds like he has. And just finally, on, on your own form, really solid, and, and you do look more and more comfortable at the level each week. Are you feeling that out there?
10: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think the more more games I play, there's um, there's definitely growing confidence with, with my role in the team and, and more clarity around that. Um, again, it, it helps when you've got leaders in the back line, like Darth and Ruffy and Howie. And, um, I mean, a skipper, Pendlebury, is just... An amazing leader, and, and really gives you um, clear, uh, precise instructions with your role each week, and, and that certainly helps with um, with going out there with a clear head. That's for sure.
1: And there was no hugs before the game this week, which was which was refreshing. Well, you were too nice to form former teammate Adam Traw, last week. Well, what was the story there? Oh, look, Ads has been a
10: big part of our campaign and a big part of the club for the last number of years, and we're all still very close with Ads and, um, you know, I guess when you see a teammate that's playing for another team, as soon as you cross that white line, it's it's different. But um, when that sign went, it was, uh, I guess it was a sense of, um, you know, just embracing Ads with his contribution to our club and um, wishing him all the best at dogs, so.
1: Mm. Good on you, mate. It was a, a pretty impressive performance. I was... Yeah, it was great. Right from the start, you boys were on. Good luck next Thursday. Thursday night, footy again. You're going up to the Gabba to take on the Lions where you have a good record. Good luck for the rest of you, mate. Hope to catch up with you throughout. Thanks, Gordy. Appreciate it. John Noble from the victorious Magpies last night. They're taking on Brisbane next Thursday night at the Gabba, 7.40 Victorian time. Time now to sneak in a couple of your calls because a lot of you have been patient out there. Johnny's on the line and he's a big John Noble fan. G'day to you, Johnny. Yes, good morning, how are you? I'm good. I, I've been watching that
7: right ahead, just because he's got red hair and he's get a lot. But the way he goes about I'll tell you what, he's a little champion. Collingwood's the better likes to pick him. He's one of the best players for Collingwood every week. And his old man is a catcher of Melbourne. And uh, if his old man can catch his Sunday, Sunday play football for Collingwood, I'm more than happy.
1: <laughs> Big John Noble fan. It's a great story, like mid, mid-season draft. I mean, there's not too many left from that first mid-season draft that the AFL introduced. Marlon Pickett, Johnny Noble, Will Snelling's another one, his, his former teammate, which I mentioned. So to be doing that in a good side week in, week out is a, is a really good story, and it would be fascinating to see how many players are picked up in the mid-season draft when it returns this year. Uh, Darren is a Collingwood fan also. day to you, Daz.
4: Hey Kane, how beautiful is it sitting here, listening to SEN, (laughs) listening to all these Carlton supporters? Carry on. I thought it was your mob last week.
1: It was your mob last week, Darren.
4: Hey,
6: who
5: cares? We
6: (laughs) beat Carlton. What a beautiful day! And Kane, when are you going to admit that you were wrong about that man on the mark rule? You're Ooh, just that's hiding no, from that.
4: That's no, I'm you're not you're saying every nah. day
1: that it's a great game now and everything, and now you're hiding. You, you, you're you not even saying, I was wrong. No, because I wasn't wrong. It's a horrible rule. The, the the stand rule is a horrible rule. I don't need the umpire coming through my TV screen 147 times a game saying stand. What I think they have done is been more lenient, thank goodness, with the player on the mark. I was, sort of side bottom, uh, go to stand the mark, quickly take three or four steps sideways, then the umpire calls stand. So there's more leeway to it, but there's loopholes everywhere, players having shots for goal outside 50, and the style of game isn't just reflective of the stand rule. I think the interchange cap has a fair amount of say in that. So I will not admit I'm wrong, Darren. It is a horrible rule, and I will stand by that. Literally, stand. Teddy is on the line. G'day to you, Teddy. What do you want to talk about?
2: G'day, Kane. How are you, mate? I'm good. That's good. Uh, just an old Ultimate Turtles fan, actually. A bit of a club legend down there, actually. Um, I just want to talk about well, the new rule, actually. I don't hate it. It exposed Plamman for the Blanc that he actually is. Um, I reckon at one point I was closer to Degawi than he was, and I was in the third tier. Um, <sighs> but also, I want to talk about the umpiring. The umpiring was pretty bad. What do you reckon we bring in a bit of a reserves, umpire-style system where we can drop him, um, have well, a couple of weeks is, in the FIFA.
1: The problem is, Teddy... There just isn't the talent coming through at the next level. Um, So uh, the AFL, I think, have a significant issue on their hands with getting young umpires coming through and developing them and making it a career path that people want to go down because it's why we're still getting... You know, umpires umpiring well into their 40s, you know, 45 years of age, and the depth of umpiring in the competition, it's its a really serious issue, and you've hit on a point. So it's all well and good to say, well, let's let's drop the umpire who doesn't perform, but you've got to have someone else that's capable and willing to come in and fill that spot, which I don't think there is right now. Mick's in Kings Park. Uh, you want to chat about one of those rules, Mick? Your thoughts on deliberate out of bounds? Yeah,
7: okay. I can't. always look forward to this time of the week, mate, but just... Uh... The two that that actually got me because young the boys, the minute the player kicks the ball towards him, and he's got his whistle in his mouth straight away. Right now, the two that contentious one were Jeremy Howe was an absolute howler again. He tried to do a talk and it didn't come off very well. Come up and then I don't know what terminology goes for that. And then the penalty one, I'm pretty sure he was getting tackled and he he kicked the ball. I don't think when you're getting tackled. You're going to deliberately look for the boundary line, especially from that far out. It was just two weird ones, and there's no holding the ball in the game anymore. Packers, you think, should be holding the ball. They're not paid anymore, and I don't know. It's, it's a weird one now with the umpires.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you, you right on holding the ball. Uh, Taylor Adams got that one, but uh, there wasn't many. And just on deliberate out of bounds, I think we are moving closer and closer to having at last possession out of bounds. They do it in the sandfall in the South Australian competition. Kick it, handball it, out of bounds, no one touches it. Free kick against. That is the way I think the AFL is moving with their adjudications of that. We'll get to Nathaniel, James, Ian, Michael. Peter's on the road, all on the captain's run on the other side of this. Great. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Uh, welcome in. Uh, busy first two hours is an understatement. Kane Corns with you through until 12 o'clock. Dwayne's World after uh, 12 o'clock. And, of course, don't miss AFL Nation's coverage of Geelong taking on Brisbane for Friday night footy. Still to come, Giant CEO Dave Matthews. Port Adelaide's uh, star player now across halfback Dan Houston over and under and Chad's brother's quiz with a great prize to give. Away, but it's time now to head to our man from Lakers Nation, Trevor Lane. The NBA trade deadline has come and gone with some big, big deals. It's been crazy over there as we welcome in Trevor to get the latest. Trevor, thanks for your time. Hey, uh, thank you for having me, no problem. It's the best time to be on social media this NBA trade day. It's it's gone nuts. Um, what have you made of it so far?
3: Oh my goodness! I mean, we we thought a few weeks out that this was going to be a fairly quiet trade deadline, that there wasn't going to be a whole lot going on, and boy, were we'll we wrong! They uh, the number of players that got moved today, the number of big shocking deals was uh, it was great. It was great to see everybody was uh, was very very excited. Social media blowing up. Of course, my Lakers didn't get didn't get anything done today, but a lot mm. of other teams did. So. Uh, Great for the NBA. Always fun when we can have a trade deadline day like this where everybody's on the edge of their seats waiting for the next big deal to happen. So it it was a fun day despite the Lakers not getting something done.
1: Yeah, in our sport, we struggle to get our heads around the fact that in the lead-up to the finals, you could play for one team for half a year and then another team for another. But I know in yours that is is common and teams can identify some needs that they need leading into the playoffs. Uh, Some things that went down were on the back of players not moving, so Kyle Lowry didn't move, and Tyler Hero didn't move. Two players that we thought may be on a different team.
3: Yeah, exactly. That was the you know the big sticking point was that uh, the the Toronto Raptors were looking at moving Kyle Lowry, whose contract expires after this year, and he's widely believed to be going somewhere else. And the Raptors were going to try to get some value for him. Uh, they were talking to the Lakers, they were talking to the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat, and they wanted Tyler Hero in a deal from the Heat, and Miami was not willing to do that. They wanted Taylor Horton Tucker in a deal from the Lakers, and the Lakers were not willing to do that. So rather than take an offer that they didn't feel like was, was up to par from their perspective, they decided to uh, to just hang on to Kyle Lowry, and now they will try to maybe do a sign and trade in the offseason to see if they can get something out of him, but I do think Kyle Lowry stays in, in uh, Toronto are number, and he'll probably he'll just play out the rest of the season and then probably have a new home for next year.
1: And at the Heat, Tyler Hero sort of burst onto the scene in the playoffs last year in the bubble. Some of his performances were extraordinary. He seems to have all the tools. He can seriously shoot, he's quick, he's athletic, and he's tall enough. Um, but and And clearly that's why the Heat didn't want to get rid of him.
3: Yeah, you know, he is. he's had some struggles this year with his, with his shot. But overall, he is the type of guy that a lot of teams are looking for in terms of uh, he has the ability to put the ball on the floor and attack off the bounce, attack closeouts that way. They've, they've asked him to handle the ball a little bit in almost a quasi-point guard role this year, which is probably a little bit uh, a little bit too much for him. But if you're using him off ball, he's just fine. He is a very tenacious player. And we saw even in an NBA Finals environment, he did not back down one bit. It didn't faze him to have that kind of pressure on him. And for such a young guy who's just barely 21 years old, that's a great sign moving forward. So, you know, Miami is very right to, to value him highly and uh, totally understandable why they would not want to part with him.
1: So the big deals and the big movement, uh, starting with none bigger than Nikola Vucevic, he's gone to the Chicago Bulls. Who won that deal?
3: You know, I really like that move for the Orlando Magic. They were at were a spot where it looked like maybe if everything broke right, they could be a solid playoff team, but they've just dealt with so many injuries that realistically, by the time they they rebuild and they get to the point where they can be a contender, Bucevic is, uh, is not going to be around anymore. He won't be as good as he is right now. And so uh, there have been rumors about them trading him for the last few seasons, and they finally decided that they got an offer that they couldn't turn down. And credit to them for not just making that move, but then making the, the subsequent moves to shed uh, Evan Fournier and get, uh, get value for him and then get value for Aaron Gordon as well. So they fully committed to a rebuild. They're going to get picks coming in, young players, and then uh, commit to looking to the future. So I think that Orlando did, did just fine today.
1: And one man who was on your Lakers last year was Rajan Rondo. Now, He's since moved on from the Lakers. Now he's got a new team. How many teams has Rondo been on now, Trev?
3: Oh, it's, I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say probably seven or eight. <laughs> I know at this point, he's bounced around a bit. He was even with the Sacramento Kings at one point. But, uh, yeah, he was with the, the Atlanta Hawks. He signed on with them last offseason, and they have shifted out to the Clippers in exchange for Lou Williams, a, a couple of second-round picks, and some cash. The Clippers are hoping that Rondo can provide what he gave the Lakers last year, and that's a, a veteran presence in the playoffs, a steadying hand, somebody who's been there before, won championships before, and that uh, his, his veteran know-how will prove to be valuable come playoff time. And he's known around here as, as playoff Rondo. He is a different mm-hmm. player when the playoffs start off. He's not that great, frankly, during the regular season, but come playoff time, he picks his game up a notch. So the Clippers are banking on him doing just that, and helping, them, uh, lead, helping him lead them to the promised
1: land. All right. Well, we've got to get a word on your Lakers because LeBron's got a high ankle strain. Anthony Davis has been out for, I don't know, 17 games or something in a row. Um, how's the health of the squad? Not great. Definitely not great.
3: They do get Marcus Gasol back uh, this evening against the Philadelphia 76ers. He'll be back from COVID protocols. But other than that, yeah, you are, you're missing LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and this team is built around them. So it is a struggle without those guys. LeBron, we heard today, four to six weeks from the time of his injury, and his injury was about a week ago. So best case, maybe we see him in, in three weeks, that, and that's the best-case scenario. And the Lakers will probably be conservative with that injury because they still feel like they just need to get these guys healthy for the playoffs, and that's going to be their, their main focus. And then Anthony Davis should get evaluated again tomorrow And if he's given the green light, if he's told he's 100%, uh, he's going to return to practice and they're going to have him practice for probably a week or so, maybe a little bit longer, get his legs under him, make sure he's truly back up to speed before they put him back out there into game action. So even Anthony Davis uh, could be another week, maybe two, before we see him back out on the floor.
1: Mm, Hopefully they get back in time for the playoffs. Hey, mate, look forward to chatting you in the lead-up to the playoffs where your Lakers will be in action again. Appreciate your time to take us through the trade deadline today.
3: Hey, no problem.
1: Thank you for having me. On ECN, the captain's run with Cane coins. Yeah, Between now and 11, we'll just take your calls. Nathaniel's in Oakley. Uh, the coaches under pressure is the topic you want to chat about, mate. Who are they? And welcome to the show.
6: Yeah, how you going, mate? You're always talking about um, players who are out of contract, under pressure, performing. I was looking most forward to how what changes... Buckley would make this week compared to last week. And the mm-hmm. slight adjustments he made, I think, really went a long way to us winning. So I think, but I've never been a big Buckley supporter, but the slight changes he made, I was really impressed
1: with. To go in more time forward, forwards. yeah, side yeah. bottom into the side helps, doesn't it?
11: Yeah, it does. That extra run through, we looked pretty slow last week, and
6: you get side bottom in there, and Adams is able to be, to win the hardboard the surface and then branch outside bottom pendlebury stuff like that so it was really good adjustments
1: he made this one too yeah all of a sudden in the space of one week things looking much more positive at collingwood so yeah all credit as you say nathan to nathan buckley and his coaching team for those just little subtle things they did with their ball movement a little few structural things but nothing drastic it wasn't as if he said jeremy howell or darcy moore you go and play as a forward because we can't score he didn't do that um, but he did make some slight tweaks, which had a big impact. James wants to chat about Levi Casbolt. What can we do you, James? Yeah, Kane. I'm going to lose it
2: here. I am absolutely filthy with Levi Casbolt. I was at the Sorry. game last night. Seven disposals, six clangers, fourteen point three disposal efficiency. Playing a ruck forward does not get a single hit out. Not one. Absolute disgrace. If he plays this week. He doesn't deserve to wear the jumper. He
1: needs at least four to six weeks in the reserves. At- See, I I get, I get you frustrated. I'd be more critical of the players who have a lot of natural talent that don't give the effort. So I I watch Lever and I think, geez, you've made out a, a, a good career out of you know not having a lot of natural gifts. And I do I do respect that. I mean, he's an outstanding contested mark. But apart from that, he's a, he's a trier and he's a battler and he's a doer. Now, he, he had a poor night last night. But I'd be more directing my frustration to the high draft picks, the players that do have a lot of natural talent, the, the Paddy Dowers who continues to just stagnate, the Will Setterfields of the world. Spoken a lot about Plowman, high draft pick. Patrick Cripps just didn't have the influence, you know, those are the players where I'd be directing my frustrations at. Not at Levi, who's been, you know, hanging on for a while and he's been a, a good journeyman. But I take your point, it wasn't wasn't a great outing for him last night. Ian's on the line. Um, g'day to you, Ian. How you going, Kane? Oh, best, show, best show of the week, your show. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Um,
4: the only thing more joyous than... Uh... Richmond wins is the agony of the bumbling boobs of the Blues when they lose. It's just been a fantastic fast morning listening to the agony in the Carlton um, voices and calls. Just throwing the baby out with a bathwater with a completing (laughs) patience. (laughs) I'd predicted that uh, they would lose this game because they were too pumped up for the Richmond game and performed really well and thought they were fantastic. Coming up an opponent, they got their arse kicked last week by the media who were going to be desperate to fight. And you could see this coming a mile away. Oh, they're just, oh, be patient, Carlton. They've got a lot of good young players. It's just
1: hilarious. Be They've been patient for a while, Ian. They've been, oh, you should have done my footy tips for me because I tipped them again. But, I mean, how you're saying be patient. How long can they be patient for?
4: Young blokes. they got a lot of good young blokes. It's just... Their mistakes are like paying Mitch McGovern and what they're paying him as well. Paying mm. How much they're paying a half-forward flanker in, um, mm. in uh, Martin as well is just insane. They're just two they're just too worth. Just rely on your kids. They've got a lot of really good young kids. Just stay that lane. I don't see how it's complicated. I don't think they're going to be a good side. I, mean, I don't make the year. They definitely will next year.
1: OK, they've been waiting for a while. Ian, before we let you go, who's your team?
4: I'm a uh, Richmond man, so I understand pain. But now the joy is just yeah, All that pain is mean, just uh, pain is
1: worth it. If, if so, if the Blues fans knew the result was going to be similar to yours uh, in the early, um, sort of. 2009-ish area at Richmond, then I'm sure they would be patient, but there's no guarantees of that happening. Uh, we'll get to the 10.30 news headlines. Stick around Michael, Pete, Liam, and Matt and Tom. As I said, right through until 11 o'clock. We are just taking your calls. The number's 1300 736 736. On SEN, the captain's run with cane coins. It's 22 minutes to 11 o'clock. It's eight minutes past 10 if you're listening to us in Adelaide. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number. We are discussing the fallout for from last night and Thursday night footy or... Anything else you want to chat about as well, if you want to change the subject and talk about some of the other games in front of us, including tonight's game, huge one between Geelong and Brisbane, um, joining the conversation with us this morning. Michael's been waiting very, very patiently. Uh, you want to speak about the Blues, mate, and in particular, the rest of the year and what they can get out of it? Yeah, Good g'day, Kane. Um Good morning, mate. Um, Thank you. Before I... Yeah, before I discuss the game of observations
8: from this week and last week, I um, just wanted to give you an opportunity, mate, to see if you're still bullish in your prediction at the start of the year that um, Colton will finish ahead of Richmond um, at the end of the year and Richmond will finish seventh. Are you still um, pretty keen about that, or are you happy to use this occasion now to admit you're wrong?
1: Um, I'm not – I'm never bullish about pre-season top eight predictions. That's that's one thing I'm never bullish about. Um I did have Carlton making the eight. I did have Richmond slipping down. It's it's a little bit early, uh, Michael. So, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to back away from anything I've said in the preseason in terms of top eight predictions. Um, but if anyone nails them all, let me know. And the, the one thing that you should never do, Never never do top eight predictions because no one, if you get it right, says, hey, remember when Kane Corns tipped six out of the eight to play finals? All they ever do is take a screenshot of it and remind you when you're wrong, so it's a lesson and maybe something I might not do in the future. Good on you, Michael. Thanks for your thoughts and thanks for waiting. Peter's on the road. You want to speak about the goal review, Pete. Welcome.
4: Morning, Kane. Um, The goal
7: review,
6: I'm on the belief that every goal is reviewed by the reviewing panel upstairs. Now, Gibbons played a great game, but there was clearly one goal. Mm. And it was shown on TV a few times, and I think Gary Lyon even mentioned it on the broadcast was clearly over the line when he kicked the ball. Now, why wasn't that reviewed and called back? And
1: well, this, is a, good, this that, is a good. This is a good point, Pete. So they do have a look at um, you know, has the ball been touched, or has it hit the goalpost? Has it gone on the other side of the post? If it's a real howler, they will look at that from upstairs and by the time the umpires return the ball to the middle of the ground the idea is that they've overturned a, a really bad decision but i'm not sure and i'm happy to be corrected on this i'm not sure the review has any scope to correct a poor umpiring decision that is a field umpiring or a boundary umpiring decision so whether they should or not is a topic another topic in general but say if you kicked a goal and it was clearly out of bounds. Now, last night's with Gibbons, to me, it looked out of bounds and I've seen some screenshots that would suggest that, but was it clearly unequivocally out of bounds? You'd probably say not and you didn't have enough evidence to overturn it. But if it was, does the score of you upstairs have the ability to overturn a howler of a field umpiring or a boundary umpiring decision? I'm not sure right now it says that it does, but I'm happy to be proven correct on that one and it's a good point that you raise. Liam is in Brun- Brunswick, the footy last night. Liam, your thoughts, mate? Cornsy, mate. I am
3: absolutely fuming. That Michael Gibbons um, goal of the year contender, mate, that ball was out of bounds by a mile. You can put a truck between the ball
5: and the line. <laughs> I don't know so about you, You, you mate, think
1: but... the whole of the ball and not one part of the ball was touching the white boundary line. You're convinced? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm convinced. Okay, I'm well... Sorry. Don't yeah. get me wrong.
7: Don't get me wrong. I'm an Essendon supporter, but, mate, that ball
1: was out of bounds. Out so, of bounds. I th- I think I agree with you, but if I was upstairs, um, well, I'm, I'm not even sure, they, as I said, I'm not sure they, they can overturn it, but was there enough evidence to overturn it? And are you 100% certain that not one piece of that yellow Sharon was touching the white line? I wouldn't... Yeah, I wouldn't... Wouldn't put my house on it. But anyway, Liam, thanks for that. And it'd be, I guess it's not the first time a goal of the year or a mark of the year. I mean, Gary Ablett won mark of the year, didn't he? And I'm not sure that was a mark. So it wouldn't be the first time it's happened. Uh, Matt's in our Scott Vale. Um, last night was a coach killer for you, Matt.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know it's early. I'm a Carlton supporter. And if we're looking at making finals, you've got to knock someone out of the eight, right? And that team is likely Collingwood. Mm. We're down, we've lost, we're 0-2. And the problem is at the end of the year when you miss the finals by one or two games, these are the ones you look back on and say, well, we should have won.
1: Yeah, so I said this this last week off the top. I said, how about you put some time into Dustin Martin, the competition's best player, as voted by 72% of the coaches during the week. How about you use some coaching and and try and take something away from him they they Carlton this is and David Teague had had four months to plan for Dustin Martin in round one and what did they come up with for the game's best player nothing (laughs) not one thing and I said well you finish one game outside the eight and that's on the back of Dustin Martin's best on ground performance because you put no time and effort into curtailing his influence it could cost you your job so I'm I'm with you, Matt. And now last night, with with that performance, all of a sudden you're two games outside the eight. You're going to have to win, I don't know what it'll end up at, 12, perhaps 13. In other years, it's been 11. But it's a lot of catching up to do on the back of of that. So, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you that, um, you know, as early on as it is in the season, it could come back to hurt you badly. Uh, Let's go to Paul, um, who wants to speak about the commentary team last night. G'day, Paul
5: morning guys um last night on channel 7
6: a commentator kept referring to forward pressure of they're creating lanes when do they start building lanes on a footy field
1: Uh, so you're not a fan of the modern terminology so i i can i know what he means by that but you don't you just want to keep it simple
7: Kick the bloody
6: thing, mark it, and
1: kick it between those two big white posts. Not oh, there's a lane being credited they on the lane. They're not building a freeway on the ground, are they? <laughs> oh dear, I'm not, I'm not going to get hung up on it, Paul. I think I think both broadcasters do a pretty good job. So I, I was flicking between both. I, well, obviously you, you have to cop the Channel Seven commentary, but I think they do a, a, a good job. And then at, before game and halftime, I have a look at Fox because I like their analysis. So I, I think they did a pretty good job and it's it's not an easy one but all in all we get pretty good coverage and if you're on seven it's free so there's not too many big sports in the world where you can watch the footy for free um but anyway i appreciate your thoughts paul this is your avenue to have you say not a big uh, james brayshaw fan uh, is paul let's go to tom who wants to chat about levi casbolt had a rough night last night tom
4: hey mate how are you yeah, look, good. everyone. Look, you hear the Collins the tortoise getting stuck into him, but Levi's been like that his whole career, so there's no good giving him a bag now. Like he's going to end up probably playing 150 games of AFL football. I agree. So I agree with you. they see something in it that that you know the, the normal plebe around the street doesn't. Now he's going to play 150 games more than I ever played. That's for sure. You know, so you have got it. Like you know, Levi. It's nothing different. That's what I mean. They're making out
1: of these things that Levi's done this, he's done that. Well, Levi's probably done that for 144 games. He's not going to change. Yeah, and what, and what are the what are the other options? So you know, McDonald, you could say, you know, he could have, could have played him in front of Levi, but unfortunately, your ideal forward structure has a bloke who keeps injuring his knee playing basketball and falling over in the shower, who could be anything. But you know, it's not not David Teague's fault that that's happening, and it's not Levi Casbolt's fault. And the other one is your fault. You've paid four years and over the odds for an inconsistent forward who hasn't prepared himself to the level that AFL footballer should and keeps getting injured, and that's Mitch McGovern. So what are the other options in the forward line for for Blues fans would be the counter to that? And if you're going to say Oscar McDonald, well, you've picked him as the last bloke on the list. So Levi Casbolt was always going to start the season ahead in the pecking order of Oscar McDonald. So, Tom, you make a really good point. So, for the Blues fans smashing him and he was poor last night, what are the other options? Because one guy dislocates his kneecap playing basketball when he shouldn't have been doing that. Sean's in Diamond Creek. You want to speak about the footy last night, O? Yeah, how
7: are you going, Conty?
1: Good.
9: Yeah, I just want to talk about Carlton. I'm not over-disappointed with the last two weeks. Obviously, they're losses. I'm not... But I reckon the problem, maybe, this first game scheduling... uh, uh, Look, I'm... I reckon we've had a lot of letdowns in round two over the last nine years. You know, like, round one, you know, wouldn't mind just getting a win on the board, even mm-hmm. if it's the, the back box um Sydney or Gold mm. Coast. Like, I just think there's yeah. too much build-up and the players seem to have a bit of a letdown the round two. Like, you know, like, they played well. they played well a lot in these Richmond games um, round one. We've probably only been blown away maybe once or twice, but... You know we've been fairly competitive in most of them, and then round two they seem to dish up something substandard. What do you think? What do you? Think? Well, you've
1: hit you've hit on a point. So Carlton fans lose their mind when you su- suggest that Carlton doesn't, don't deserve the season opener. But what about you just get a soft kill? So how about how about Fremantle in the early Sunday game at the MCG for round one and get a win on the board rather than the pressure of opening the season against an absolute powerhouse? Now just turns out that Richmond have been the best side in the last four years, so that's unfortunate. But what would you rather, Blues fans? Because you all lose it when I suggest that you're not worthy of the season opener on the back of not winning one since, what, 2013. Well, a nice, soft kill, Fremantle, in front of 26,000 fans on the early game on a Sunday to get your season underway is probably a better result. Guy, I think you've hit on something, mate. Blues fans, what do you think? one 736 736 Ben wants to speak about Patrick Cripps. Your thoughts, Ben? Shane, how are you,
6: buddy? Good. Good, mate. Good, mate. He surely is carrying an injury. He
7: hardly attended anything. I'm sick time, of
1: this. Man. I'm cu- I'm cutting you off. I'm cutting you off. And if I had the little volcano stinger, I'd play it. Because every defence for a good, there it is. Every defence for a good player is they're injured. I've heard Patrick Cripps is injured for three years. He's not injured. We've heard the club speak about it. Great preseason. He looks ripped. He had a strong preseason games. Matthew Lloyd said he's going to rip the competition apart because he's finally fit and ready to go. When good players are out of form, they're always injured. Patrick Cripps isn't injured. He's out of form.
9: So why don't they just stick him forward? Why are they just because he's not
1: a forward? That, 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 so that's that's the other issue. He's not a he's kicked seven goals in his last twenty games of football, and um, I know David Teague said after the game that he he thought he looked dangerous down there. Well, I must have been watching a different game. So what's he going to do as a forward? He doesn't have the speed of a Martin, a danger a Patraka to get on the lead and get off his opponent. Yes, he's a great size midfielder, but when you put a key defender on him he's, he doesn't have the size advantage that he does have in the midfield so and he's not a great he's not a great shot for goal and he's he's missed some really easy opportunities in front of goal so what's his strength then as a forward I don't know it's a it's a really uh, fascinating dilemma for the club because he will want big bucks 26 years of age this will be his last big long-term deal he'll want Canelio money he'll want Dylan Shield money he'll want um, Dangerfield money but I'm not paying him in line with that. So we'll wait and see how, how Carlton handle it and whether they're prepared to let him go if he does want ridiculous money. We'll find out pretty shortly. Uh, Riggs is in Fremantle. G'day, Riggs. Uh,
2: g'day, Gane. Um, Yeah, firstly stoked with the Pies' win last night. About time they scored some goals and uh, why can't they play like that more often? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was uh,
3: actually after you caller a little while ago, I was thinking um, what's wrong with, would the, would the AFL consider you know, the laser technology that perhaps
2: the tennis use on these lines? For, you know the, I suppose the boundary line might be a bit tricky
9: with the yeah. uh, the curve of it but um, perhaps for the, the goal reviews, you know, just would they consider that, would you think?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm sure they've looked at it. It would probably come down to money but, and where's Snicko gone on the goal post? There was one that Taylor Adams' goal last night. Didn't we used to have Snicko on the goalpost or Ultra Edge or whatever it scored? I didn't, didn't notice that. So maybe that's been lost in all of the cost cuts at the AFL. So it's probably a money thing, mate, but uh, there's got to be a better technology out there. I agree with you. We'll get to Ashley, Brock and Stan after this. Not- on ECN, the captain's run with cane corns one 736 736 Very, very busy out there. A lot of people wanting to have their say, let's go to Ollie Wines Territory in Echuca and speak to Ashley. Hi, Ashley.
4: G'day, Kano. How you going, mate? Good, bud. At least a couple of things. Um, just uh, the commentary around Collingwood and um, and I guess um, you know, being the weaker link in that top eight from last year, I reckon you know, it's, you know, it's a little bit of rubbish. Um, yeah, we've had, okay, we've lost law. But um, at the end of the day, um, you know, we've still got a we've still got a strong side, in my opinion. Um, and you know, and Carlton over, I guess over probably estimated themselves, I would say, coming into this year with their list. Um, the second thing is, you know, we, we won by three and a half goals last night. Now, do you think playing the goalie? I I'm not sure what percentage uh, he was in the midfield, but. Yeah, him in that forward line and those four goals he's keeping was a difference in the game, in my opinion. So do you think uh, Buck should just make that move and just
1: play him 80% of the time back in that forward line? Or do you think he should keep on rotating as he is now? Well, I think that mix is about right. So maybe 70-30 or whatever it is, 75-25 is about right. He's a forward to me, but if it's not going well for him forward, I've got no issue with him putting him in the centre square for a couple of centre bounces and getting him involved in the game that way because he's... Pretty damaging in that area. But I just think he gets too gassed playing as a genuine midfielder and he's not as impactful defensively and then offensively as well. So he looks like a forward to me. He looks like a 50-goal forward. His set shot kicking accuracy looks much sounder as well. I reckon he's done some work on that technique in front of goals because that has let him down in the past. Brock is on the road. Uh, The Saints are going all right, Brock. Kano, I told you, mate. You did. You You did. You didn't
4: didn't listen to me. I I didn't. bumped Carlton in the preseason, and then you laughed at me again. And mate, we've gone to GWS in the wet, backs against the
10: wall, away. We've got what five of our starting midfield out. You got Crouch. You've got
4: uh, Jones. You've got Hannerbury. You've got your two best Ruckman. You've got your captain. And we've gone and beat. Quality side, on the road, backs against the wall. I'm telling you now, mate, we're a bloody shoe in for the flag. And if you don't believe me, put your grand final ticket on the line because I'll take it off you.
1: Okay. Um, All right. We'll wait and see. Early days, terrific win. Uh, Huge winners out of round one, the Adelaide Football Club, St Kilda and Sydney. Big, big wins. And, yep, they're they're onto something down there at St Kilda, Brock, and I look forward to seeing it when they get all their players back we get to stand, Gary and Dave. We've still got a big last hour coming up. NBA trade deadline is going nuts on social media. We're going to go to our man from the Lakers, Trevor Lane. We'll do that next. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Uh, welcome in. Uh, busy first two hours is an understatement. Kane Corns with you through until 12 o'clock. Dwayne's World after... Uh, 12 o'clock, and of course, don't miss AFL Nations coverage of Geelong taking on Brisbane for Friday night footy. Still to come: Giant CEO Dave Matthews, Port Adelaide's uh, star player now across halfback Dan Houston, over and under, and Chad's brothers quiz with a great prize to give away. But it's time now to head to our man from Lakers Nation, Trevor Lane. The NBA trade deadline has come and gone with some big, big deals. It's been crazy over there as we welcome in Trevor to get the latest. Trevor, thanks for your time. Hey uh thank you for having me, no problem. It's the best time to be on social media this NBA trade day. It's it's gone nuts. Um what have you made of it so far?
3: Oh my goodness! I mean, we we thought a few weeks out that this was going to be a fairly quiet trade deadline, that there wasn't going to be a whole lot going on, and boy, were we wrong. They uh, the number of players that got moved today, the number of big shocking deals was uh, it was great. It was great to see. Everybody was uh, was very very excited. Social media blowing up. Of course, my Lakers didn't get didn't get anything done today, but a lot mm-hmm. of other teams did. So. Uh, Great for the NBA. Always fun when we can have a trade deadline day like this where everybody's on the edge of their seats waiting for the next big deal to happen. So it it was a fun day despite the Lakers not getting something done.
1: Yeah, in our sport, we struggle to get our heads around the fact that in the lead-up to the finals, you could play for one team for half a year and then another team for another. But I know in yours that is is common and teams can identify some needs that they need leading into the playoffs. Uh, Some things that went down... Were on the back of players not moving, so Kyle Lowry didn't move, and Tyler Hero didn't move. Two players that we thought may be on a different team.
3: Yeah, exactly. That was the you know the big sticking point was that uh, the the Toronto Raptors were looking at moving Kyle Lowry, whose contract expires after this year, and he's widely believed to be going somewhere else. And the Raptors were going to try to get some value for him. Uh, they were talking to the Lakers. They were talking to the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat, and they wanted Tyler Hero in a deal from the Heat, and Miami was not willing to do that. They wanted Taylor Horton Tucker in a deal from the Lakers, and the Lakers were not willing to do that. So rather than take an offer that they didn't feel like was, was up to par from their perspective, they decided to uh, to just hang on to Kyle Lowry, and now they will try to maybe do a sign-and-trade in the offseason to see if they can get something out of him. But I do think that Kyle Lowry stays in in uh, Toronto are numbered. He'll probably he'll just play out the rest of the season and then probably have a new home for next year.
1: And at the Heat, Tyler Hero sort of burst onto the scene in the playoffs last year in the bubble. Some of his performances were extraordinary. He seems to have all the tools. He can seriously shoot. He's quick. He's athletic, and he's tall enough. Um, but and and clearly that's why the Heat didn't want to get rid of him.
3: Yeah, you know, he is, he's had some struggles this year with his, with his shot. But overall, he is the type of guy that a lot of teams are looking for in terms of uh, he has the ability to put the ball on the floor and attack off the bounds, attack closeouts that way. They've, they've asked him to handle the ball a little bit in almost a quasi-point guard role this year, which is probably a little bit uh, a little bit too much for him. But if you're using him off-ball, he's just fine. He is a very tenacious player. And we saw even in an NBA Finals environment, he did not back down one bit. It didn't phase him to have that kind of pressure on him. And for such a young guy who's just barely 21 years old, that's a great sign moving forward. So, you know, Miami is very right to, to value him highly and uh, totally understandable why they would not want to part with him.
1: So, the big deals and the big movement, uh, starting with none bigger than Nikola Vucevic, he's gone to the Chicago Bulls. Who won that deal?
3: You know, I really like that move for the Orlando Magic. They were at a spot where it looked like maybe if everything broke right, they could be a solid playoff team, but they've just dealt with so many injuries that realistically, by the time they they rebuild and they get to the point where they can be a contender, Bucevic is uh, not going to be around anymore. He won't be as good as he is right now. And so uh, there have been rumors about them trading him for the last few seasons, and they finally decided that they got an offer that they couldn't turn down, and credit to them for not just making that move, but then making the the subsequent moves to shed uh, Evan Fournier and get uh, get value for him, and then get value for Aaron Gordon as well. So they fully committed to a rebuild. They're going to get draft picks coming in, young players, and then uh, commit to looking to the future. So I think the Orlando did did just fine today.
1: And one man who was on your Lakers last year was Rajan Rondo. Now. He's since moved on from the Lakers. Now he's got a new team. How many teams has Rondo been on now, Trev?
3: Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say probably seven or eight. <laughs> I know at this point, he's bounced around a bit. He was even with the Sacramento Kings at one point. But, uh, yeah, he was with the, the Atlanta Hawks. He signed on with them last offseason, and they have shifted out to the Clippers in exchange for Lou Williams, a, a couple of second-round picks, and some cash. The Clippers are hoping that Rondo can provide what he gave the Lakers last year, and that's a, a veteran presence in the playoffs, a steadying hand, somebody who's been there before, won championships before, and that uh, his his veteran know-how will prove to be valuable come playoff time. And he's known around here as, as playoff Rondo. He is a different mm. player when the playoffs start off. He's not that great, frankly, during the regular season, but come playoff time, he picks his game up a notch. So the Clippers are banking on him doing just that, and helping them uh, lead, helping him lead them to the promised
1: land. All right. Well, we've got to get a word on your Lakers because LeBron's got a high ankle strain. Anthony Davis has been out for I don't know 17 games or something in a row. Um, how's the health of the squad? Not great. Definitely not great. They do
3: get Marcus All back uh, this evening against the Philadelphia 76 Sixers. He'll be back from COVID protocols. But other than that, yeah, you're you're missing LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and this team is built around them. So it is a struggle without those guys. LeBron, we heard today, four to six weeks from the time of his injury, and his injury was about a week ago. So best case, maybe we see him in, in three weeks, that, and that's the best-case scenario, and the Lakers will probably be conservative with that injury because they still feel like they just need to get these guys healthy for the playoffs, and that's going to be their their main focus. And then Anthony Davis should get evaluated again tomorrow And if he's given the green light, if he's told he's 100%, uh, he's going to return to practice, and they're going to have him practice for probably a week or so, maybe a little bit longer, get his legs under him, make sure he's truly back up to speed before they put him back out there into game action. So even Anthony Davis uh, could be another week, maybe two, before we see him
1: back out on the floor. Mm, Hopefully they get back in time for the playoffs. Hey, mate, look forward to chatting you in the lead-up to the playoffs where your Lakers will be in action again. Appreciate your time to take us through the trade deadline today.
3: Hey, no problem.
1: Thank you for having me. Ninety minutes past 11 o'clock. Kane Corn's with you through until 12. Dwayne's World up with you after 12 o'clock, taking plenty of your calls on one 736 736 Good friend of the show and someone we like chatting to as the CEO of the Giants. He's been good enough to give us his time this morning with a busy schedule. Dave Matthews is his name. Dave, thanks for your time again, mate. Pleasure, Kane. Plenty of challenges facing both the Sydney sides and um, Sydney Chairman Andrew Pridham has been outspoken. Today in the paper, John Longmire has been outspoken as well. So I thought we'd get you on to see if you share similar views. So we'll start with the Chairman Andrew Pridham from the Swans. He's called out the AFL to help out with the cost of living for your footy department staff, coaches, because it's so expensive to live in that part of the world, as you know. Do you share the similar view and, and should the AFL be doing more?
11: I think they certainly need to consider it, Kane. and I know it's an issue that we've certainly raised a couple of times, and I guess as an industry, we're all settling into the sort of new parameters, or reset the cost base as as we needed to do, really, and the the AFL has managed COVID um, brilliantly in a a lot of ways, and then when you you make adjustments to things like the soft cap, I think it's now that the effects are being uh, gauged properly through the experience of it all, and now, there's a lot of fixed costs in the soft cap um, mm. that when you reduce it, a lot of the fixed costs, you know, flights, accommodation, ankle tape, things that don't change and really the only variable costs uh, are staff and staff wages and you know, I think there's a lot of staff who were moved moved out of the industry um, either by their choice because wages were coming down or because there was not the affordability there to retain all the roles. So. Yeah, when when you decrease the soft cap by 30%, and then and then the flow-on effect is into into salaries. That you know, there's not a commensurate reduction in in things like mortgages or housing prices or rental. So mm. yeah, there is an issue there that I think um, just needs to be carefully and calmly considered. But I know it's something that the AFL will look at.
1: Well just the median house price this is for example say in Adelaide uh, I don't know say five hundred and fifty thousand. in Sydney it's you know it's upwards of nearly nine hundred thousand so it's almost double to get a house now I'm not sure where most of your coaches live and that type of thing but they're not on big money as opposed to you know senior coaches or some of the players. How tough are they doing it and you've lost the likes of uh, Lenny Hayes and some coaches that are highly regarded. Is that one of the reasons why the turnover has been significant?
11: Well, yeah look I think it is a factor in the turnover I think the other thing is that yeah, you could liken it to the to the mining industry a lot of the a lot of the expert and a lot of the you know I guess the employment base of mining companies comes from other parts of Australia where it needs to be brought in and that's a little bit like the the, the coaching um, pathway in the AFL at the moment it tends to be that the Swans and the Giants and probably for that matter the Queensland clubs as well have to um, attract or recruit talent from the southern states Mm. and you know on a a basic comparison you know it's the swans and the giants in particular up against it if if someone from adelaide or melbourne is is considering a role at at the adelaide crows versus the the giants it's just it's a really big differential i think it's something like 40 percent between melbourne and sydney um and and you just i think what andrew pridham called out was he, he said let's just focus on on housing, whether it be mortgages or or rent. Um, And and that's where the, the, the comparison is really easily established from a fact point of view.
1: And John Lamar has backed that up as well, article in the Herald Sun today. He's he's saying that Peter Vellandis is investing heavily in into rugby league up there in your part of the world, whereas the AFL are cutting back, desperately trying to pay off the loan that is a result of COVID. Uh, John's saying, well, let's just delay that a little bit and start investing back into the game so it can grow. Do you, do you share his view on that as well?
11: Oh, I think the investment that the AFL's put into grassroots and community um, over, so 10 or 15 years or longer is really bearing fruit. I mean, the, grow- the game's growing uh, rapidly. There really has been incredible growth. And I think, you know, particularly starting a second club, that's, that's stimulated the growth as well. I, I'd probably put it in more positive terms in the sense that, um, you know, you're seeing a return on investment from starting the Giants. You're seeing a return on investment from investing in programs like Auskick and getting female pathways. Uh, established and, and flourishing and I think you know, like any organisation where you can see a strong return or you see growth potential if you keep investing so that's the way I'd look at it.
1: Um, there's, there was always going to be some some coaches under the pump this year. I've spoken a lot about Nathan Barkley and David Teague this morning a lot of talk back on him. Uh, Leon Cameron is one of those because that's the industry that we're in and I guess that doesn't alleviate with the round one loss under, a, uh, under strength St Kilda side. How's Leon holding up and uh, He's still confident in in the direction of his coaching and the club in general.
11: Yeah, look, I think the club in general and the footy program uh, specifically, we've got great confidence in, and, and Leon's just a part of that. I know it's it's easy to you know, focus in on just one person, mm-hmm. being the head coach, but you know it's an entire program. It's his, it's his coaching team. It's the list we've put together, and you know the leadership group within that list. So, you know, everyone has a responsibility for performance, not just one person, and. Yeah, we were disappointed on Sunday, and you know, I think round one tends to throw up some unusual results. We got a lot of respect for St Kilda; they're obviously a, a side that beat us last year and played finals, so that was never going to be an easy game. Even though I guess both sides had a, a few players out, but yeah, we have came. Uh, we're really optimistic about what we can achieve this year, and uh, re- we're just one round into a, a long campaign. And you know, Leon's Leon's really well; he's fresh, he's um, you know, really energised for the, the challenge ahead.
1: Giant CEO Dave Matthews joining us on the captain's run this morning. Dave, did you get a look at the documentary Making Their Mark, which your club featured heavily in? Um, what did you make of it? And, and second part is, would you do it again? Uh, so the,
7: the
11: second question, first, yeah, we would do it again. I think it's an incredible promotion for the competition and, and our game generally. Um, you know, I think we've got, we do have the best game in the world, and if you can get an opportunity to provide... You know, the fans and potential fans within a Sanctum uh, experiences like that documentary series has provided, and that's great. It oh, uh, would have been great if they'd actually done it in one of the years we played finals and, mm. and uh, uh, maybe not, not the sort of storyline we wanted to deliver um, last year, but yeah, it is what it is. We've moved, moved on from that narrative, but I think generally it's just a great promotion for the game.
1: Did you speak to Stephen Cornelio about... Because he was one of the biggest t- takeouts of it. Have, have you spoken to him since the wash-up and since the release of it? And, and how, uh, what sort of, um, I guess, attitude did he have from it?
11: Well, he, did, he he's the sort of person who doesn't shy away from anything. So, you know, we knew we knew what was being captured. We knew what, what the story was going to be presented as. And, you know, he, he and I actually sat down together and, and watched some clips... Uh, late last year, just in terms of how, how it had, you know, was going to get, I guess, characterised. But, you know, by the time the series has come out, and I think he's spoken really well about it in recent weeks, um, you know, the, our review of 2020 and what was valid and what wasn't valid, that's all been sort of locked away and a ribbon tied around it. So, you know, 2020 for us is just part of the club's history now, and, and we moved on. And, you know, I think that that's certainly the approach that uh, Stephen's taking.
1: Hey, Dave, there's a survey out today, afl.com.au. The coaches were all surveyed on some of the biggest issues facing the game. 86% of coaches say players should be allowed to be traded if they're contracted against their will, provided there's another club that wants them. Now, you've lost more players than most for, for different reasons. We know that. Would you be supportive of that to pull back some of the power that the players seem to have at trade time?
11: Yeah, not necessarily, I guess, and that That angle, I think some of the adjustments we'd like to see is um, more along the lines of what can support player retention. Mm. Um, And and in that regard, I think it's important to keep considering three-year contracts for first-round draft picks. I think that would help uh, take a lot of the angst about development and retention out of it. Um, And I think it also would probably offset a bit of the inflationary uh, pressure that happens um, on contracts for you know, third-year players, and on. so after those two years, I think it it does get a bit inflationary. So that that's something that we we do. I, I think at the moment, um, I, I personally don't like the idea of trading a player against his will. I'd rather um, I'd rather sort of have a, be able to have a mature discussion with a player about his his you know his place on the list or his place at your club. But yeah, you know, I guess. That's also coming from our positions being you know, our major focus has worked over the 10 years in the competitions. Just been working very, very hard on retention, just trying to build a culture that uh, when you're bringing players, particularly from other states, that, you know, that they, they see our club as a place they want to play it and, and stay at. So that's, you know, it's, it's probably just a, a different perspective. But, you know, I know that happens in American sports, but I don't, I don't necessarily think we need to copy everything they do. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's an it's a interesting view and one that will continue to be in front of us as the trade period gets more busy and, and more pre- prevalent. Hey, before we let you go, can, can we get an update on Lockie Whitfield? Certainly an unusual injury. What's the latest with Lockie?
11: Yeah, I was actually with him yesterday. We had an event that Gil McLaughlin came up to and, and Lockie attended as well with Gladys uh, Gladys Berejiklian, the Premier, who um, they basically launched the season for the two clubs. And, uh, you know, I was chatting to Lockie. He's... he's He's feeling good um, and, it, and it's you know, one of those situations where the most important thing for us is the welfare of the person um, and that you know, when he returns to play he's been secondary he's, he, he's had a really unusual period and an unusual injury and you know, we're monitoring it closely but you we know, expect him back probably I think round five or six at this point but um, yeah, it's certainly something that we've got to um, keep a careful eye on. He's a He's such a valuable player and and person around the club and, you know, there's been a great deal of care put into him, but we are looking forward to seeing him back out there.
1: Mm. Hey, Dave, uh, appreciate your time as always, mate, and good luck against Fremantle on Sunday. Thanks, Cain. Cheers. Dave Matthews, CEO of the Giants, taking us through some of the the challenges and his thoughts on... The comments from Sydney Chairman Andrew Pridham and Swans coach John Longmire. Just just some news coming through from a health perspective. There, there has been one uh, positive case of COVID in the community in Brisbane. Um, the Queensland State Government will hold a press conference at 10.30 their time. That must have happened by now. The time zones aren't at the front of my mind, but it's understood the case is in Brisbane and they do not know where it is from. So ramifications to that on borders and the AFL season. Um, appears you know, that'll be in front of the AFL again. Time now for the 11.30 latest with the news right now. is the news headlines. And just repeating, Queensland has recorded one new locally acquired case of COVID. The uh, Premier, um, Anastasia Pallaget, is about to talk right now. So um, there's a game. When are they playing in Queensland? The Suns play North Melbourne. There on Saturday night. So, the ramifications to that and border closes, I guess we'll find out more as the morning goes on and we'll keep you up to speed with all of that. Um, but it's time now to do Chad's brother's quiz. So, 1300 736 is the number. Before we get to your calls on that, we'll quickly take in Stan, who wants to speak about Carlton, who's been waiting patiently, it says on my screen. Uh, G'day to you, Stan. G'day, Cornsy. How are you, mate? Good, mate.
5: I'm a passionate Carlton supporter like a lot that have called up this morning and a member and all that jazz but look, I think the point's been missed a bit about the significance of last night's game. Although it's only round two, to be playing against Collingwood, our greatest rival and to dish up what we dished up is just not acceptable. Especially in a year where all pre-season the uh, the members have been advised, we expect to play finals this year. Mm. They haven't said that to us in past years for a number of years but this year they had expectations and they created expectations amongst all of us. What they served up last night was just not good enough. And for me, as a member and a supporter, the problems might be deeper. People talk about the board and assistant coaches, but for me, there are four people on, involved with the direct playing list that should be accountable, and their leaders. David Teague, the two, co- are the two captains, Doherty and Cripps, and our ex-captain Mark Murphy. Now, They've, they've got to be accountable. Those two captains didn't lead, by example. Murphy, I think it's obvious to most football lovers, he's past his best. And he's been a great a great player at the club, no doubt. But his time's up. He's going mm. to be nursed to 300 games. We could talk about this at the end of the season, and you'll, I'll call you back and you'll say you were right. They will nurse him through regardless of what he does on the field. He's lost two yards. He can't chase. He can't stick a tackle. He's taking up a place in that side in a younger player of the spot, Eddie Betts
1: would be more valued, is Well, I think he'll probably come in this week, Eddie Betts. Thank you to you, Stan. If you're heading to the Melbourne St Kilda game at Marvel Stadium, download the SEN app and hit SEN Stadium. It's play-by-play, no delay at M- Marvel Stadium. World-first technology, an absolute game-changer. That's SEN Stadium on the SEN app. On the other side of this, Chad's Brothers quiz, 1300 736 736. Round two is Spud's game. Time to talk. Help fund vital mental health community programs by donating at movember.com forward slash Spud. Saints and Melbourne tomorrow night. McDonald's will donate $200 for every spoil. That's the McDonald's Golden Fist to supporting mental health programs out of the Danny Frawley Centre and Movember's Youth Mental Health Program. Details and donations can be made at www.saints.com.au slash spud. Terrific initiative. Time now for the quiz. Now it's time for Chad's Brother's Quiz. 100 AFL collector cards from select footy stars for serious collectors, big and small, up for grabs. The theme is... Round one so far, I think it was. Um, round one flashbacks. Sorry, Ben. Uh, Sean's in Diamond Creek. He's going to have first crack. G'day, Sean. Yeah, Okay. Who kicked oh, yeah. the first score of the AFL season 2021?
7: Um, was it
1: Kev? No, but it had to be a Carlton or a Richmond player, and usually forwards kick the first score, so there's a hint for you. Cam's in Mount Waverley. G'day, Cam. Kano! Hello, legend. It was King Jack. It was King Jack. Well played to you. Question number two. Who was the highest-scoring team in round one? Uh,
3: We'll have to go with the
2: Swannies.
1: Yes, who would have thought that? Who would have thought Sydney would be the highest and Collingwood would be the lowest? Question number three, as you fly through... I'm on a bit of a roll here. You are on a roll. Who had the biggest winning margin in round one?
3: Uh,
5: Port Adelaide.
1: Yes. For a bonus point, how big was that margin? About 10 goals. Mm, Pretty good, 52 points. Question number four... Who kicked the sealer for St Kilda to end the game against the Giants? Oh. Richmond Premiership player Dan Butler. <laughs> <laughs> was it holding the ball or was it not? No way. No, it wasn't, he... I think. Yeah. The AFL even came out and said that that was a mistake, unfortunately. All right, for the win, my man, Cam, in Mount Waverley, which Collingwood player was criticised for getting too chummy with Adam Chloor pre-game? I need both of his names. Oh, it was one of the name. young fellas. Was that um, Callum Brown? Ah. Oh, hang on. It wasn't Callum Brown. It wasn't. In so, the- un- Unfortunately for Cam, um, Johnny just went off a bit prematurely there. It wasn't Callum Brown. Shannon is in Knox. Been very lucky to be the caller at this time. <laughs> Shannon, welcome to the quiz.
2: G'day, Kato.
1: Thanks for having me, mate. Um, the answer is Tyler Brown. It was Tyler Brown. There you go. There's the music we wanted. Shannon's the winner of the quiz. 100 AFL collector cards from select footy stars for serious collectors, big and small. Round one flashbacks done. And one that was one of the easier quizzes that we've ever done. And put you back to Benny. He'll sort you out. Um, so why don't we do this? Been waiting all morning to do this. Let's get to over and under, if you don't mind, Johnny. It's time to play Overs and Unders with Kane Corns for temper a mattress like no other. So this is the bit where we get our man, um, the guru, back in the studio to read out a statement and we decide whether that statement, it'll be over or it'll be under. There's five of them. Let's start with number one. Hit it again, Johnny. Hit it again. Come on. We're having a bit of trouble. I can just read it. Does it smartly because he's able oh. to tap it to Fantasia, oh. who taps it to
0: himself. The afterburners are on, sprints to the goal square and slams away his ball.
1: Very clever play by Orazio.
12: Kane Orazio Fantasia plays his first game against his former side tomorrow. 0.5 Essendon players will shake hands with him before the game, over or under.
1: This is tricky. Surely there's not one Essendon player that shakes... Aratio's hand before the game, after we, what we saw with Trelaw the week before. But I reckon some clown's going to do it. I reckon there will be at least one Essendon player that shakes his hands. It'll make me sick. I want to throw up and do a Terry Wallace, but I'm going to go over. I think one Essendon player will shake his hand, unfortunately. What's number two? Hewitt grabs
2: it this time, hurls it out to Buddy. Intersection of the 50 and the boundary. Oh. He couldn't, could he? It's Buddy Franklin!
12: Lance Buddy Franklin plays his first game since round 23-2019 tomorrow against Adelaide. Buddy will kick two goals, over or under.
1: Great to see Buddy back. Game number 301, hasn't played for over a year, as Johnny said. Round 23-2019. He's ready to go. He's fit. And I think he kicks over two goals. I I think often star players, um, first game back, Perform really well. The test will come for Buddy is how he pulls up and how he goes for the rest of the season. But tomorrow, pencil him in for three, surely. Young Adelaide defence, Jordan Butts will be his opponent. Small ground at the SCG suits him. Buddy kicks three tomorrow. I'm going to go over. Let's stay with Buddy for number three.
2: Yeah, there's something about Buddy, come, he comes in, even when he comes to training, there's something about him that, that brings energy and, I guess, brings confidence within the group as well, knowing that um, all you do is give him the ball and let him do the rest, so, um, no, it's definitely a lot of energy around him. Franklin
12: needs 56 goals to reach the magical 1,000-goal milestone. Kane, he will kick 1,000 goals before he retires, over or
1: under. I thought he would have waltzed to this milestone. How good would it be to kick a 1,000 goals? Like uh, It's extraordinary. How many have done it? Not many. Um, someone will know. Texas us 304339 out of 1116. I'll look it up in a minute. But I thought he would have got there easily. Um, two seasons left on the deal, including this one. 56 goals, which he would reach usually in about, I don't know, 14, 15 games. But I'm not sure about his body. I think he's going to fall agonizingly short of that. So I'm going to take the under. I think he finishes on about 9.85, which would be a real shame. What a career. Let's get to number four. Wingard clean. Off to Mitchell.
9: Hawthorne get the goal that they were after.
12: Hawthorne's Tom Mitchell had 39 disposals in round one. In his 2018 Brownlow year, he averaged a record 35 touches. Mitchell will average over or under 35 this season.
1: No preseason. Hardly interrupted. Comes out and has 39, including 17 in the third quarter in round one for a total of 39. He's going to get 60 in a game this year, Tom Mitchell. Oh, I'm going to put that down. That's one of my predictions. He's going to get 60 touches in a game. If he stays fit, he probably goes over 35 on average. He just, the game's longer. Um, you get more uncontested ball with the way that it's played. He's, I think he averages 35 and a half. I'm going to go the over on that one. Um, what do you got for me for the last one?
6: Well, Lockie Neal, we saw him kick a goal of about this length. He's given it everything to ignite
7: the game. Yes!
12: Brisbane Brownlow medalist Lockie Neal didn't lay a tackle in round one against Sydney. Neal will respond and lay six tackles tonight against Geelong. Over run to Kane?
1: Well, it was a disappointing first-up performance from Brisbane. Uh, Lockie Neal laid ten in round one. Last year, zero in round one this year, he went 31 games in a row before last week of laying at least one tackle. 31 games in a row. He responds tonight with over six. I think he's going to... Eight or nine tackles for Lockie Neal tonight, and he's going to make a statement, as good players do. And he is a very, very good player. That was our over and unders. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know. I'm sure you will. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Let's go to Shannon on the phones. Good day, Shannon. Oh, he's the quiz winner. That was um that's still on my screen. So we'll get rid of that. We'll delete that. And we'll be back to wrap up the captain's run on the other side of this. But do not forget, this is your sporting life on Sunday from ten AM. Sam Edmonds doing a great job. He's going to talk to Sydney great Michael O'Loughlin, who's just joined the Sydney board as well. So he's a pretty good addition there. That's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. If you've got something else you'd like to say, we've got about five minutes which you can do that. We'll take your calls on the other side of this, 1300 736 736. It's been a big, big show. Thank you for tuning in. If you've missed any of it, Giant CEO Dave Matthews, a uh, young gun from the Collingwood Football Club, speaking about the performance last night. John Noble, join us. We had our over and under. And the first hour involved plenty of passionate Carlton fans having their say. You can download the podcast. It's up, available on our social media channels or certainly will be very, very shortly. Just search the Captain's Run Uh, On S N, there has been that one confirmed case in the community in Brisbane of coronavirus, Uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk, saying let's not panic. She's the Premier of Queensland. Of course, there's a game there, an AFL game, happening between the Suns and North Melbourne on Saturday night, and you would hope that they're not going to react and overreact and uh, implement some border restrictions. On the back of that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Craig wants to have his say before Duano takes over the microphone. out to you, Craig.
4: Okay, uh, Just quickly, um,
6: I'm not saying I'm a con, I'm a con- supporter, but the goal that uh, Gibbons kicked last night, the second goal, mm. he's clearly out of bounds. And now even Brayshaw, the commentator, makes this, the comment, uh, kicks it from the Wayne-Horn, Wayne Harms corner. Doesn't have the guts to say he's out of bounds. Now, whether the, uh, I'm a con supporter, if a side lost a grand final because of that, There'd be uproar, and if say the ball was touched just as they thought it was touched near the boundary, and it goes through for a goal, they review it.
4: Why don't they review that?
1: Yeah, we've had a, we've had a few calls saying similar. Um, I'm pretty sure they don't have the ability to do that. And was it absolutely but, conclusive that any part of that yellow Sharon didn't touch the line? Would it have been overturned anyway? Would be the would be the second part. Did you have enough evidence?
4: That position, right?
6: And they then review it and go, no, it's not touched. But they then see that the ball's out of bounds. Mm, would they mm. overview it? Would they say, well, we looked at that, that uh, particular piece, and it now it's out of bounds? We
1: well, would hope so, but I don't think, as I said, and I'm happy to be proven wrong on this, um, but I don't think I am. I don't think they have the ability to do that. It, just as just as the way that they don't have the ability to overturn a, a poor field umpiring decision, they don't have the ability to overturn a poor umpiring decision. Um, But it is disappointing because it costs a goal. You've got the goal umpire in pretty good position. You've got the boundary umpire. You've got the field umpire to, to miss that. Now understand it's very easy when we slow it down to use Patrick Dangerfield's term at 30 frames a second and look that the ball was just out of bounds. But you want the right decision, regardless of the process to get there. Now, in the 50 seconds between goals, the ball's taken back to the middle of the ground. If they can overturn that and clearly see it's a mistake, I think we would all, and I'm like you, Craig, be comfortable with them saying, hang on, we've got to look at it upstairs, ball's out of bounds, here's a kick in or here's a throw in it would have been, of course, and the players can set up and go from there and and that is a better... uh, that is a better solution. Dwayne's world's been dominating all week and has been doing it for the last 25 years. He's about to take over the microphone. He's joining me now. Dueno, big show coming up, no doubt. Last night will be a hot talking point.
0: Yeah, there's a bit to talk about with Carlton. Kane, uh, you could have taken probably 100 calls today on Carlton. I know your thoughts about Carlton. Look, my thoughts for years is a dangerous game. Bottoming out, going to the draft, mm. risky business when you you know cut your list as severe as Carlton cut it, and you know go to the draft and try and accumulate draft picks, and then try and work your way back up the ladder. You run the danger of damaging your brand, you upset supporters, and here we are in a situation. I didn't think Carlton uh, would win either of the two games that they've played. Anyway, I picked. Obviously, Collingwood to win last night and Richmond to win, win round one. But they're on a nice edge now, Carlton, because they've got two games coming up against teams they are expected to beat. Fremantle at home and then the Gold Coast. So, yeah, they're on a nice edge right now. We, we know that everyone's under pressure. So, yeah, we'll talk about that straight off the top. Midday matters, Carlton on the agenda. We'll also talk about should Thursday nights be locked in as a permanent mm. fixture? I think the AFL will decide as early as Monday what the slots and which teams get the best slots from round seven on. We've locked in for rounds for up till round six right now, but on Monday I think they've got to lock in the slots. So should Thursday night be a permanent fixture every week now?
1: I reckon I love it because I get to come on Friday morning and talk about the reaction to it and look, it's it's a good slot. Like it's much better than Monday night. I think we're very accustomed to it after last year. So no complaints to me. And I don't think it's a novelty. Like, I don't think it's a, a novelty that would wear off. So I'd be all for it. But I'm interested in your take on it, Duano, and look forward to tuning in for the next three hours. He'll take your calls. Midday Madness coming up. For those Carlton fans that didn't get an opportunity to have you say on my show, Duano will be more than happy to take your calls. Big show coming up. Don't forget AFL Nation and the coverage of the footy. And if you're heading to Marvel this weekend, download the SEN app and listen to SEN Stadium. World-class technology. See you next week.